Yeah, but once you listen to a podcast enough, you're supposed to know who's on it. Yeah. At least the regular members. Oh, yeah. It, I just, I like, I like it as just sort of like a courtesy type thing. Like, when, I, I still don't know the names of the guys who, who host popular outcasts. Uh, even though I've listened to like several. Episodes. Oh yeah, because they they've like they sometimes refer to each other by names, and I'm pretty sure they've all kind of done the establishing thing in the earlier episodes, and they're up to like I don't know twenty forty something like that now. So to clarify, Ian wants to be polite and introduce us to the public, and Kyle doesn't give a fuck if they can tell the difference between our voices. I'm pretty sure our voices are all pretty different. Yeah, that that was one thing I was happy about listening back to it. Uh, I was like, well, our voices are different enough that people should be able to recognize who's who or tell who's who. So, um, yeah, I'm always astonished by how low my voice is. Yeah, I am too. Yeah, that's one of the yours, things, not mine. That's one of the things. <laughs> that's Obviously. one of the things about listening to voices on your voice on recording. Um, I think I don't know if it's uh, the same way across the board. If everyone sounds deeper or thinks they sound deeper when listen to recording, I do, and I think my voice sounds higher in person than it does in my head. Hmm. I have this stupid Michael Sarah thing going for me. <laughs> no, no one has a Michael Sarah thing going for me. That's just dreadful. <laughs> not even, not even Michael Sarah. He's distanced himself from himself. Yeah. I remember when Zombieland came out, everyone was saying Jesse Eisenberg plays Michael Sarah better than Michael Sarah. Did you see the fa- Did you see the Facebook movie? Michael Sarah plays the Mister Facebook. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Hello, everyone, and welcome to uh, another podcast. Uh, we still have not decided on the name. Hopefully, we have one by the time you're listening to this. Uh, in fact, it's probable that we'll have one that by the time you're listening to this, because we probably need one to get into iTunes and stuff. I'm Ian, and I'm here with Kyle. Yes, I'm Kyle, and uh, I'm also here with Brandon. <laughs> I'm Brandon, and I got fired this week. Woo! Oh, really? Yeah, I read about that. Yeah. So now I'm the only one who's employed, and my job gives me, like, a two-hour shift a week. Actually... Hey, we're all effectively unemployed. Actually, uh, I, I have a confession to make. I was called up on Wednesday, and the place that I attempted at over the summer, they called me back, so I, I'm employed again. You get the hell out of here. You're not allowed <laughs> yeah. to podcast anymore. We don't need productivity here. Oh, man. Schwach. Uh, so, uh, today we're going to be talking about The Walking Dead and possibly some other stuff. Brandon told us about an article that, which probably a lot of people have heard about now, but, uh, yeah, there was a story recently about Italian scientists who were convicted of manslaughter for failing to predict earthquakes, and I actually need to reread that article because I don't remember many of the details, but if we get to that, we'll get to that, and also, uh... Yeah, possibly other stuff to talk about. Potluck of possible talking points. Yes. If we, do, if we like, finish up with our Walking Dead discussion in 20 minutes, then we probably want to re- record more stuff. But I don't see that happening. So, yeah, The Walking Dead. Uh, most people have 
probably heard of it by now. If you haven't, it's a TV series on AMC in its third season now. It started up, started back up uh, three weeks ago now, I think. Based yep. on a comic book, we'll add. Yes, it's based on a comic book that's been very successful. The comic book has like it has like nine trade paperbacks now, doesn't it, or more? <laughs> more like nineteen. Oh, okay. It just so, keeps yeah. running because I don't think Robert Kirk and the writer has any plans to end it, yeah. even though uh, he probably should have. So ha- it's have, debatable. <laughs> have either of you read the comic? Because I haven't read the comic. So when I've I'm... read the first trade. Okay. So like six uh, issues. No, All right. <laughs> and I can see where things definitely uh, split in the TV show from the comic, but I don't really know much else. There's also a really cool uh, game made by Telltale. They made a. Oh yeah. Yeah, they made the new Sam and Max games and the new uh, Monkey Island, like Tales of Monkey Island, I think it's called, and also uh, like a Back to the Future game, the Jurassic Park game. It's like an adventure game series, but it's really good. The story, I think, is better than the show, though the oh, show right. has been getting a lot better this season. Oh, yeah, the show's been excellent. This, um, we should probably state that uh, the episode in question that just aired was uh, episode three, Walk With Me, on October yeah. 28th, just to put it like a timestamp on this. Yeah, because uh, ruin it. know when people are going to be listening to this. But yeah, I've heard a lot of good things about the, the video game. You can get it on Steam and probably other places. Uh, I haven't gotten it yet because I've been unemployed and I've been very, I've been trying to be very frugal about things. Um, but now that I'm employed again, I can blow all my money. Anyway. Impulse buying. Yes! Oh, man, Steam sales. Steam sales are the best, aren't they? Oh, my gosh. They're so awesome, and yet at the end of them, I'm like, if I don't stop buying games, I will have no money. <laughs> I spent $100, but I got a 1000 games. I was just thinking, like, you know that game that you kind of heard of? Well, it's on sale. Oh, and you'll yeah. buy it without any further research. Oh, yeah. Last Christmas, I actually... Oh, over the Christmas sale, I got both Dead Spaces, Amnesia the Dark Descent, and uh, Bastion, and its soundtrack. Yeah, I got And I got that. that all for, like, 40 bucks. I was like, wow, that's pretty awesome. I got Bastion as part of uh, the Humble Indie Bundle. Oh. Like, it, uh, Humble Bundle 4 or 5 had Bastion, and, like, I got, like, eight games with it, because if you spend over the average, because it's like a, you choose what to pay... The average was like $8, so if you spent $8, you got like four additional games and soundtracks and stuff. Oh, wow. Most yeah. of which I haven't played or have played once and realized I didn't really like. It was through a uh, different bundle, but I got Amnesia uh, that oh, way. Oh, yeah. Yeah, they, they've had that up there before. Yeah, Amnesia was part of that bundle they released before Portal 2, where they had all the little Easter Oh, the potato sack, yeah, through Steam. Yeah. This one's just through its own, uh, the Humble Bundle's its own, uh, like, organization. Yeah. All right, so, uh, The Walking Dead, uh... Yeah, the most... <laughs> Steam's great and all, but let's yeah, go back Steam's to The Walking great. Dead. <laughs> Segways! We can do them! Uh, yeah, so the most recent episode was the... Uh, what did you say the name of the episode was, Brandon? Walk With Me. Okay, and it was with Angela and Michonne. Andrea. Or Andrea. Yeah. Why do I keep, I, I keep calling her Angela, and it, it's Andrea. And her sister was Amanda, right? I don't remember her sister's no. name. She was alive for, like, an episode. It, yeah, it wasn't spoilers. Amanda, though, I don't think. No. Yeah, Angela. Yeah, lots of spoilers. Lots of spoilers for The Walking Dead. First 
two seasons and up to se- episode three of season three. But, uh, yeah, so Andrea and Michonne, they are at, they get captured by this group of survivors that live in this, basically their own sequestered little town that has a wall around it and they defend it. And it is power, it is water, it is all the amenities you normally wouldn't find after the apocalypse. Yeah, and it's all run by this guy they call the governor. Although he, he claims that he, he doesn't think he really needs that title or something. He never says but, his real name. He never tells yeah, you what yeah. his real name is. Yeah, he also doesn't do that. Yeah. Um, I, I'm gonna be completely honest. <laughs> this is going to sound silly, but, uh, I actually don't, I, I, I watched the episode and I remember like major plot points and stuff and I enjoyed the episode, but I had trouble getting completely engrossed in it mostly because I had just come back from seeing the new Silent Hill movie, which I was very disappointed with. Oh. So you're yeah, really that got over that. Got like a 14% on Rotten Tomatoes. I it's less than that now, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> I, last time someone commented about it online, it was like 8%, and then they said it got even lower than that. So, but, In your defense, actually, yeah, it's at 5% now. Oh, wow. Uh, um, but, uh, yeah, it wasn't as, uh, interesting as the second episode of the new season. This, yeah. the episode before this one was a lot better. And it also had this cool effect because they were, um, I guess there was something with the lighting in the prison, but it didn't look like the episodes normally did. I don't want to yeah. say it looked low definition, but it almost looked like an 80s horror movie, which is pretty cool. There's just something with the lighting in the last episode. Yeah, and I think it was because, it, I think part of it probably does have to do with the fact that it wasn't in the prison, and it's so well lit. I mean, they're yeah. walking out on these streets, and if, if there weren't, like, the walls in the background or the impending zombies outside, then... It would, it would just, just look like, like any normal ABC show about two girls having a night on the town, and yeah. et cetera. Yeah. One of them is always scowling. The other one's like, I think we should give people a chance. <laughs> I, I have a confession to make. Oh. I, I know she's supposed to be, like, super badass, but so far, I don't really care for Michonne. Uh, I'm all right with her. She just seems kind of like stereotypical nerd fodder. Uh, she's got a katana. She's badass. Well, she I cut was, zombies' heads off. I was really looking forward to seeing more of her, but I feel like we just haven't gotten a really good sense of her character yet. Basically... She doesn't talk often. That's another thing. She's yeah. kind of quiet. All we've seen so far is... And she wants her weapons back. Yes. <laughs> her sword. Her horribly impractical sword that I'm sure she has plenty of time to clean and sharpen in the wastes of America. Yeah. Georgia, um, specifically. But, yeah, like, all we've seen of her so far is that scene from the first episode of this season where... It was basically just to let the audience know that, yes, Michonne and Andrea still exist, and to let us know that Andrea was sick, because I don't think... <laughs> we'll see you guys in episode three. Yeah, because they didn't pop up at all in episode two, did they? No, two was all about the uh, uh, Rick's group in the prison, and then three was all about Andrea's group in Woodbury. Yeah, and then next, next week they're going back to the split to format. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah, I remember someone, they commented on TV, either on like a commercial or on Talking Dead or whatever, they mentioned that this was the first episode in the entire series that hasn't featured Rick. Uh. 
Well, it's debatable. Some some episodes barely featured Rick. He'd be there in the background, but he'd have about as many lines as T-Dog, who has no lines ever. Yeah, I really feel like the writers just don't know what to do with T-Dog. I feel bad for his actor. I mean, he gets on the show. They're like, all right, hang out in the back of shots. Sometimes pick things up or... We're never going to give you a shot where you're actually killing anything either. Yeah. We'll let, we'll let Carl, the 12-year-old kid, kill more zombies than you. Yeah. I mean, it's we're in the third season now, and I can't name any defining character traits that T-Dog has besides he survives. I Pretty much. And he, he doesn't... He has a riot shield. Oh, he has a riot shield. Oh, true. Shield. And he doesn't have an actual name. Yeah. He's never been referred to anything other than T-Dog. Oh, yeah, that's true. Huh. Which I find a little offensive. Like <laughs> the black like character has no lines and his name isn't the real name and it contains dog. Oh yeah. Well, well and they go ahead, Brandon. They killed off you know, in sorry, in season one, uh the black woman who was like really resourceful and actually an interesting character. So <laughs> who just wanted of, to die. <laughs> oh yeah, they kind of like killed off the only black character with any character. Since Michonne's character is pretty much scowling and cutting things heads off. Well, and then what's his name and his yeah. son from the first episode? Or they had an... Wayne. Yeah, they never they... showed up again ever, and they were uh, one of my favorite parts of the first episode. Yeah, yeah. That, that yeah. was the part that everyone talked about with that first episode that showed you this isn't just going to be a B-Ray zombie. Well, yeah. that and the, the hospital scene, scene oh, with yeah. Rick just stumbling through the hospital was pretty good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So... Did you guys, going into this episode, did you guys know about the governor being evil? Because I, I kind of knew that, but I didn't know in what way he was crazy. I knew it. I just forgot how. Or I, I thought, we'd go, was he a cannibal or something? I can't remember. But I remember him being not a nice guy. Granted, in the show, he's a lot more gray than in the comics. In the comics, he was pretty, like, I am, like, <laughs> pants-shittingly evil. That's what I heard. Uh, that's what they actually talked about on Talking Dead, that show after the show. Yeah, he looked like a biker, and he certainly wasn't clean-cut and nice-looking like the governor is in the show. Yeah, I think it probably is a smart move on their part that he isn't just uh, the face of all evil ever. <laughs> yeah, in, in the comics from the synopsis I read, he's just kind of like an angry evil rape machine. Oh, jeez. In the show, I'm hoping to make him a little more gray. Like, yeah, I'm a horrible person, but I'm protecting my town. Yeah. More so than I'm, I just love debauchery. Yeah. I'm guessing by the way that this is where the group of people we met in season two came from, the ones that, like, raped people. Oh, yeah. They, did they make a reference to that? I feel yeah. Like... You mean, like, the guy that uh, Shane killed in the woods? Maybe. I'm thinking of the ones that Rick killed in the bar. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, the dude was with them, the guy that Shane killed, because he was the one who got his, like, somehow impaled on a fence post. Oh, yeah, that's And then they right. cut it, they cut him loose and brought him back, and then, yeah, Shane took him out into the woods and murdered him. Yeah. Um, but yeah, going into this, I, I, again, I've never read the comics, but I did know just from either the Talking Dead show or people talking about it that the governor was not a good character. <laughs> Yeah. Um, I, I still was surprised, though, to see that, like, wall of head aquariums. Oh, yeah. That, that I, was I that, think there was nice something moment. similar to that in the comics, but they obviously 
didn't lead up to it so much since, you know, he wasn't completely evil-seeming until, you know, the end of the episode. Yeah. And you're like, well, any feelings I had about him not being a nice guy are kind of true. And icing on the cake, a bunch of heads in aquariums. Yeah. Oh, one thing that I I was going to ask you before, Kyle, does T-Dog, number one, is he a character in the comic? And two, does he... Oh, he isn't. Okay. He isn't. He isn't for the show. Uh, The comics had a character named Tyrese, Uh, like, around the same time, but I'm pretty sure they're not the same character. Yeah. Pretty much from the way it's running, the show has mostly new characters. The comics had Rick, obviously, Carl and Lori, and Glenn, Maggie, and Herschel. Mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure, uh, what's her face? Um, Sophia's mom. Carol? Yeah. She's new. Daryl's new. Merle's new. Well, he's not in the group, but he's Daryl's brother, obviously, so they're yeah. both new. Um, T-Dog is new. I'm not sure about the, like, named prisoners. They're not really given names on the show, at least the ones that are still alive. So, yeah, it's pretty much a... I think Andrea's in the comics. Andrea's and so in the comics. Michonne, I'm reading that. Michonne's yeah. in the comics, too, but... I think Carol is actually in the comics, too. I remember reading something about her character. Actually, wait, yeah, you're right, because Sophie is in the comics, so... Yeah? Yeah. So I remember something about Carol hooking up with somebody. And also, there's uh, there are a bunch of characters in the prison that aren't in the show that were in the comics. Mm-hmm. Like, because uh, I'm assuming, well, at the end of the the governor arc, a lot of of uh, Rick's kind of party, whatever you want to call them, end up dead. So I'm not sure how many of the actual characters on the show are going to end up dead because I don't know if they want to wipe out a lot of people before the next season because it seems they're not doing that. Like, they have a ton of characters in the second season, and they only kind of wiped out the ones who barely showed up or had no lines. Yeah. Pretty much Herschel's family, other than Maggie, his daughter, and I guess his youngest daughter. Yeah. Uh, Dale, they they killed off second season. Yeah, they killed him off too, which sucks because I kind of liked him. Yeah. But now I like Herschel. Herschel's the new Dale. Yeah, and basically. Herschel's badass, too, because he's got a shotgun that never runs out of ammo. Dude, I love Herschel now. There there was a, like, most of season two, it was just that conflict between him and Rick that was getting getting tiresome. And then they have that moment in the bar, and it's like, okay, Herschel's badass now. This is pretty awesome. Yeah, Herschel, yeah. now that he's got, like, almost nothing left to live for, has become a cool-ass character. Yeah. <laughs> When he, he basically single-handedly defends that farm, like everyone else is doing their part, but he, he's picking <laughs> off most of the zombies. <laughs> the last episode in the second season where he's just like standing on the porch just shooting wildly into the night with a shotgun. That was a great scene. <laughs> yeah. Who, who do you, who would you say your favorite characters are? Do, do you have favorite characters? <laughs> well, I think Herschel's one of my favorites, to be honest. Yeah. But I also really like Glenn and Maggie. I like uh, now. Yeah. I like Maggie oh, even now that they're actually using her as, like, a human character. She's yeah. actually fighting stuff with them. She's not like all the other women who they've written off as, like, one's too old to do anything. Lori's pregnant and kind of worthless as any other role you put her in. Uh, Maggie's sister's, like, Carl's age. So, like, I like the fact that Maggie's kind of badass, and, like, in the la- in the first episode of the season, she had a couple pretty gory kills and stuff. Yeah. It was interesting. There's that moment that they keep showing in the commercials from the first episode of this season, and it's Maggie 
offing some zombie, and she's like, did you see that? Yeah, and I also like Rick now that they're making him, like, unhinged. Yeah, he's, he's, that's one of the things that I really like about The Walking Dead, and something that I've noticed with a lot of TV series. A lot of TV series, it seems like, over time, the main, the quote-unquote main character of the series just becomes uninteresting. You get more inter- invested in the side characters. Yeah, that's how season two was. Yeah. Rick was barely ever doing anything. He was like Mr. Nice Guy. Like, I can't do anything that might upset people. Yeah. And he really did nothing because of it. And he had a couple cool moments, like when he shot those two guys in the bar without, like, even flinching. He just, like, quick-drawled and took them both down before they could even take their weapons out. Yeah. And then he yeah. got even cooler Meanwhile, in the second episode yeah. of this season. Meanwhile, this season has him doing things like frickin' machete in the head. Yeah, yeah that was the cool part, where that prisoner's kind of like, oh, I don't trust this guy, and Rick's like, this guy's bad news, and he kind of pushes him into that, that zombie, and when he gets back up, he's like, oh, shit happens, right? And there's that, like, <laughs> second, there's that ten, five, ten second pause where they just stare down each other. Yeah. <laughs> who lobs the machete into his head. Yeah. Uh, I was watching a chases a that other that. guy down a hallway <laughs> like a, a serial killer. Yeah, that he's was... Running for his life, unarmed, and Rick's chasing him with a giant machete. <laughs> and then he locks him outside to get eaten. Yeah, that's one of those moments that... Run. Like, huh... Okay, the first guy, yeah, he needed to die, but the second guy, hmm. Yeah, like, he defended him, but obviously it was kind of a knee-jerk reaction. Yeah. The other two guys are just like, we're, we're good. Yeah. I hope we see more of the, the dude with the beard. The guy's like, all I've ever done is taken illegal drugs or whatever. He looks kind of like a pirate. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, those two guys will be in the next episode, I think, because the uh, preview showed Rick yelling at them for oh, some yeah. reason. Well, somebody's dying in the next episode, right? Are they? I'm going to bet I, if it's not one of the random prisoners, it'll be T-Dog or Herschel. I hope not. See, my friend is really afraid that it's going to be Carol, because we're finally starting to get some development with her. Oh, she like, finally knows how to use a gun. Yeah, and she's learning how to do the cesarean on the walker and everything. Yeah. Well, I don't we think s- it'll be Carol yet. I think it'll be Herschel, since he's already half dead with his leg injury and... He, I guess he's still alive. They had that, like, fake-out moment oh, in the yeah. last episode. That was, like, was oh, so no. manipulative. <laughs> I oh, wasn't sure. I just wanted to mack on Laurie a little bit. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I I, argued he might die in the episode where his leg gets cut off just because... Same even though they, Yeah, even though they took um, the drastic measure to save him, it's the type of show where they would just kill him anyway. Yeah. Well, I think they did it just to show you that you can if you cut off the uh, bite and it doesn't get infected, you won't die. Because Rick loses a hand in the comics, so maybe they're building up to that. Just to be like, oh, well, Rick's lost a hand. Well, I think I think the governor cuts his hand off or something. I don't think he gets bitten. Yeah, don't don't give away too much stuff from the comics, even though they've obviously deviated away from the comics. Well, yeah, any of this stuff could end up in the uh, show. I'm not sure what'll happen. Since Shane survived pretty much a season longer than he lived in the comics, he's dead by the end of the sixth issue. Oh, wow. Carl shoots him, right? Carl shoots him, yeah. He doesn't turn into a zombie. Carl, uh, what's his face? Shane and Rick kind of go out into the woods, 
and Shane's threatening him, and then he gets shot through the neck, and Carl's like, don't hurt my daddy, and then Shane just kind of bleeds to death on the ground. Oh, wow. And that happens in the sixth issue of the comic? Yeah, so they wow. kept that scene in kind of where Carl shoots him, even though he was a zombie when Carl shot him. Yeah. And Rick killed him the first time. <laughs> but um, I guess that to illustrate the fact that even if you don't get bitten, you'll still come back because everyone has the disease because I guess it's airborne or something. Yeah. It, it was, that sounds... Go ahead. No, go ahead. <laughs> we're, we're too polite. I'll go. Someone take in charge. <laughs> Ian, go. Okay. Um, it's funny because the way that I think about, like, the way that we were just talking about the deaths in Walking Dead, I don't know if this is completely true. Now that I think about it, I, I don't think it's completely true, but whenever I was watching Lost, I could tell when a character was about to die because it was always when the character arc was resolved. Then the the writers from Lost would immediately kill them off. Like, Charlie had his drug problems, and once those were all tied up in a knot, and he was, like, getting together with Claire, and things were looking good, it's like, hey, we're going to have Desmond tell you every day that you're going to die, and then you're going to die, because we don't know what else to do with you. Whereas with The Walking Dead, it almost seems like they, uh... Well, the, the way that you guys are talking about possibly killing off Carol, it's like, they're doing the opposite, where just when the character's starting to get interesting, they're going to kill her off. But I don't think that's true of The Walking Dead. Yeah, I think they'll leave her live for a while, because it looks like they're trying to build a romance arc between Carol and Daryl. Oh, yeah. And that's just going to be so... It, like, just the rhyming is going to get on my nerves. <laughs> yeah, also I'm Yeah, wondering... but it makes sense of this. Yeah, it does. Yeah. I'm wondering if they're going to have, like, a confrontation between Daryl and Merle, and if... Daryl's going to have to either side with Rick and save him or something, or yeah. kill Merle, I don't know. I feel like since they're not in the comics, anything could happen with those two. Well, the thing is that that confrontation already sort of happened, even though it was a hallucination. Yeah, uh, they've already established <laughs> really stupid hallucination yeah. BS. Yeah, and he, didn't, he didn't side with Rick in the hallucination. Well, that's the thing. <laughs> Merle shows up and calls him like a pussy or something. He decides to make a necklace out of ears, wander <laughs> back like he's going to kill <laughs> kill Rick. And then, of course, Andrea, who was like, oh, I need a gun. I want a gun. Guns, 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 decides she's just going to shoot the first thing yeah. she sees. So she wings him, and I guess that snaps him out of his kill frenzy. Yeah, that was one of my least favorite episodes from that season, just because basically <laughs> it amounted to nothing. Andrea accidentally almost killed Daryl, and then Daryl, by the end of the season, he's clearly on Rick's side. Yeah, and that arc was just weird. Yeah. He falls down a hill a few times. And then, I guess, hits his head and goes nuts. Yeah. It was weird. I think he was also dehydrated or something. Yeah, something like that, too. Let's just agree it was a bad episode. Yeah. Yeah, that episode was not good. Yeah, I think it... But what? a bad episode of The Walking Dead is still better than a good episode of many of the shows. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll give you that. Yeah. Um, It's, it's funny, because... Uh, no, it's not funny. I was just using that to jog my memory so I could remember what I was going to talk about. And what I was going to talk about was this. Uh, if Daryl, like, when, when Daryl and Meryl, and Merle, Daryl and Merle, the, the names of these characters on this show are going to drive me insane. Uh, that sounds like they already have. Yes. Uh, I'm speaking to you from uh, cell 2B in the insane asylum down the street. 
Uh, there's no one saying Asylum Dogs Street. Anyway. It's actually where I am. Yes. Uh, <laughs> when Daryl and Merle have their confrontation, I think, I really hope they don't try to play the conflict up too much. Like, I, I, I feel like the place that they have Daryl right now, since he's, he's so very faithful, I, I, that's not the best word to use, but since he's so very much on Rick's side, like, at the end of last season, we saw when he was talking to the rest of the group, he's like, Rick's never done anything wrong by me, so I'm sticking with him. I think because he really seems to get Rick as a person now, it's not going to be so much of a conflict choosing between Rick and his brother, if he, has, if he even has to make that decision, because it's interesting. But it is his brother. It is his brother. And, like, you've never seen their interaction since... One disappeared before the other even showed up. Yeah, that's yeah. And Daryl was pretty pissed off at first, but then he kind of was like, oh, okay. Yeah. Whatever. If, if that episode they were just talking about that was really bad, uh, or at least not that great, if that speaks to their relationship at all, it seems like Merle was a pretty stereotypical living in his brother's shadow type story. Where Merle's just like picking on him all the time, like he he was calling like like you mentioned he was calling him a pussy and everything, uh, and just getting down on him. And it didn't seem like in a way to get him to survive. It wasn't like oh you're you're better than this. It was more just like you suck and you should die. <laughs> so well, yeah, it's it's a manifestation of every negative thing from a life that's seen a lot of negativity. Yeah. So yeah, we, you, you're right though, we haven't really seen any actual interaction between the two characters, so it'll be interesting to see how they re- react to each other and how they, what sort of chemistry they have between them. Yeah, it kind of seems like Merle probably picks on Daryl a lot since the last, well, yeah, the last time we saw Merle last episode, he mentioned Daryl a couple times saying how he was always the sweet one and. Yeah. Yeah, so he probably got picked on by his brother at some point. Yeah, one of the things that I found interesting about Merle in this last episode is his relationship to the governor. Uh, that seems like it's going to be a really interesting thing to see, the way that he, up until this point, has basically just seemed like sort of standard alpha male type, like being the dominating presence in the room. And then even he speaks to the governor, he, even he uh, has to go to the governor about things, or he, the governor has power over him, so seeing that was kind of interesting. Yeah, but well, he, they, he doesn't seem completely, like, scared of the governor or anything, he just seems like he knows his place. Yeah. I mean, that other guy seemed a little more worried, the scientist guy. Oh, yeah. And then he got kind when of mad because they they were, like, making Merle watch over him. Yeah. When the scientist and the governor are talking, they even refer to Merle as the hammer. Yeah. yeah, like among their tools, because they're they're basically acknowledging that he's a very blunt tool mm-hmm. to use in a situation, but they keep him around because he's useful. Because they okay. do things like shoot up soldiers and have uses for a bayonet arm stub. Yeah. I feel like that was just kind of like a call out to uh, the Evil Dead or something. Oh yeah, <laughs> let's turn his arm stub into a weapon. Yeah, that's exactly what I thought of. Stupid redneck. Shouldn't have cut off his arm in the first place. (laughs) (laughs) He should have reached down the drain and found that key. Or, you know, not been an asshole. 
and then not been handcuffed in the first place. Yeah. <laughs> being, the being an asshole part, I, I can't remember if the motorcycle that Daryl rides is his own or if it's Merle's, but no one ever, like, brings up the fact that it has SS markings on it. So either Daryl or Merle is, like, a skinhead. Uh, and yet or neither of them... They've gotten it from the highway. Yeah, it's, it's true, that's I, I guess. I, that's what I thought it was. I thought he found the the motorcycle on the highway. And what what are the markings that it says on it? Well, it's got the SS markings, the Nazi oh. forces. Oh yeah. So I I wasn't sure if one of them was a skinhead. Oh, I mean, Daryl has hair, so yeah. probably not him. But I guess Merle has hair too. Yeah. Not as much. <laughs> and he did yell some pretty nasty shit at D Dog. Yeah. But he didn't at me, Sean. Oh, yeah. Well, I think that's because he has to mind himself in order to fit in at Woodbury. They might have also toned the character down because everyone hated him. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. He was, like, when I watched those episodes with him in the first season, I was so pissed off at him. Yeah, no one really liked that character. (laughs) Extremely irritating. Yeah. So it's interesting for me to see him have, like, a little bit of depth to him this season as much as one can have when you're a racist redneck who uh rides a Nazi motorcycle and ri- rides a Nazi motorcycle <laughs> who, were there any other particular new characters that were introduced this episode this most recent one well um, the main Woodbury citizens I guess you had yeah. the governor you had that scientist there was a doctor and a couple of random like muscle Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. I talked about this with my friends, and we pretty much came to this consensus. Are there, like, drugs in the tea that they're using to treat, like, a disease or something with the governor? Because they kept making reference to, like, the tea throughout the whole episode. Uh, I don't know. Huh. I, all I know about the tea is I remember people commenting on Tumblr about the, like, percolator thing that the dude has that, like, goes on top of the cup or something. Oh, uh, yeah. I remember seeing yeah, that, was, and I was like, what the, what is he doing? I've never yeah, seen like, something like that like before. the actor was ad-libbing, and he's like, what should I do in the background of the scene? <laughs> he didn't think he was on camera, and he kind of just stuck his uh, coffee percolator on a cup, and things like, hey, this doesn't balance well, I better move it. <laughs> but, uh, there was that, uh, the military dude that we find out is dead at the end of the episode, and then the governor goes and kills off those other military dudes. Oh, yeah, the helicopter pilot or whatever? Yeah. And then his uh, the rest of his unit. Yeah. That was, like, that was cold, what the governor did. Yeah, I didn't expect that. Then he shoots the one guy. I'm like, what? And then, you know, the whole everyone's hiding in the bushes, apparently unbeknownst to trained soldiers. Yeah. Yeah, I was I was totally caught off guard because I was at first like, why did he do that? He's going to get killed. And it's like, oh, you brought friends. Yeah. So that's where you pick up all your hardware. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they did a very good job of playing it up. It's just like, oh, yeah, he's just coming to talk to them. And then, oh, no, he's killing everyone. Everyone's dead. I'm pretty sure the main plot points from the governor's arc is going to make it in because he seemed to be kind of concerned about uh, the rest of Andrea's group. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't think he knows where they are yet, since they kind of were talking about the farmhouse and they're not yeah. there anymore, but it seems like he's trying to hunt them down, which yeah. is strange. I guess although, he wants equipment from them or something. Although there, there is still, there was that moment in the second episode 
where Carol is practicing the C-section, and it cuts to that camera out in the woods like someone is watching her, and we still don't know who that was. Yeah, the guy on The uh, Talking Dead, uh, I, it was one of the producers or something, wasn't giving a straight answer about that when yeah. they asked who it was. Where they, they're like, was it Merle? And he's like, well, there are a lot of people who could have been out in the woods, so maybe it's a new character or something. Yeah. Oh, and for anyone who doesn't know, know I know we're like a ways into the podcast now, but the talk, uh, but Talking Dead is this like half hour show they have on after the actual show. And Hosted by Chris Hardwick. Yeah, Chris Hardwick of the Nerdist podcast. Yeah, he hosts like everything now. Uh, but yeah, he hosts it, and they have usually someone who works on the show, and then some other random person. Like they've had Will Wheaton last week. They this past week they had the dude with the mohawk from the uh, crew who sent the Mars rover, the most recent one. Oh yeah, the one everyone remembers from the yeah, launch crew. Curiosity. And, like, they've had a bunch of other people in the past. I, I enjoy watching that just because it, it gives you a little bit of behind-the-scenes stuff, and I like behind-the-scenes stuff. See, I'm, I'm probably going to be the lone voice of dissent here, but I, I have a problem with the show because mm-hmm. they start to talk about things, and then they, because it's only half an hour long, they never address it. So, for example, yeah. the, the first time I tried to watch it, they brought up, like, what's up with all the people that died on the highway? And then that's it. Yeah. Well, they, what do you mean? They, they discuss said, like, like background stuff from the show. Well, like, I, like I, they'll I, just they'll start to discuss like a question from the show, and then they'll say something like, "And we'll talk about that more." And it's like, no, you won't. Well, yeah. well, generally, if it's one of the actual like cast or the cast don't really seem to know, the uh, producers don't want to tell, and if it's anyone else, they just kind of like, yeah, we don't really have any input on this. Yeah, I. Yeah, I, I I agree that that is one of the things that bugs me about the show. It's so because it's so short, they just try to cram as much as possible into it. They don't just have organic conversation between Chris Hardwick and the two people they have on. They fit in. Oh, and here are here's a little tongue-in-cheek montage of all the zombie all the people and zombies that have died this episode. And here's uh, comments from Twitter, and here's a question from uh, someone on the phone, and oh, we're we're actually uh, it's 11:25 now, so we should probably wrap this up. Yeah, I mean, I I guess I need to give it another chance again. Yeah, basically. Yeah, they they, they have some cool stuff on the show. It's cool hearing like the producers and the writers talk about it, and then hearing what the actors did. Like for after the second episode, they had a dude who played Tomas. The guy that Rick macheted. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and he, he was a pretty cool guy. Although I was bugged that episode because I was worried that they weren't going to let him talk very much at all just because it was so quick. And like, he was on there with Will Wheaton and Chris Hardwick and Will Wheaton are like good friends. So I was worried that they were, it was just going to be them the whole time. And the guy who played Tomas wasn't going to get to talk at all, but he, he did get to say a few cool things. And he talked about doing the scene where he takes down Big Tiny and just wails on his head for a good minute or so. That's when I knew I wanted Tomas to die. Yeah. No one fucks with Big Tiny and gets away with it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, he was talking about filming that scene, and they basically start rolling. He goes down, and he starts wailing on the dude's head, and they start spraying him with a little blood, and he's like, yeah, that, that that's good. That'll add some realism and stuff. And then... He, he just starts feeling buckets of blood being thrown at him, and he's 
wailing on the guy for like a good three, four minutes. And he's like, "Are they gonna? Are they gonna yell cut, or they're just gonna let me keep going like this?" I guess they wanted to get the most visceral shots of it. Oh yeah, but yeah. So that's what goes on behind the scenes of The Walking Dead. Pleasant. I think I speak for all of us when I say I understand why you folks might hesitate to submit to our demand. But here's an FYI, you're all gonna die screaming. All we wanna do is eat your brains. We're not unreasonable. I mean, no one's gonna eat your eyes. By the way, oh. if you haven't seen it, was he? yeah, he was one of the loopers. He was like the first one you see whose loop closes. Oh. oh, okay, one of the guys that was like, "Yeah, let's go spend a bunch of money at the bar." Yeah, let's. Hey, okay. I'm dead. Let's party. Yeah, <laughs> let's I, party. I just killed myself from the future. Oh, jeez. Yeah, I haven't. No seen spoilers. It That's just like a premise. It's set up in the first like five okay. minutes. It's yeah. called closing your loop. I haven't seen it yet, and I, that was I've a heard great movie. a lot of good things about it, which I was surprised by, because I was looking at it, and I'm like, uh, Well, a couple quick they, points they that we really can bring up that won't, yeah, just, uh, won't, like, spoil anything. The environment was great, because it wasn't, like, your typical, like, far future flying cars and shit. It was, yeah. like, what, 2044, I think? But everyone was driving, like, present-day cars with these crappy solar panel systems rigged up yeah. on them and everything uh, okay. was really kind of impoverished haves and have nots. There were there was a significant population of homeless people that run around like uh that could literally kinda of kill each other in the streets because no one really gave a shit about them. It was a pretty harsh distinction between classes. Wow. <laughs> Mitt Romney's America. <laughs> <laughs> pretty much. Let's not get into politics on this podcast. Here's, here's my plug for the night. Uh, we lost one of our two two listeners. Anyway, yeah, that was cool on the uh, the way they like handled the time travel. They weren't like, let's give a long, stupid description of how the time travel works. Oh, that's good. They, yeah, some they demonstrate it with a, a couple of key incidents. They demonstrate like what happened, the whole loop closing process, and why you have to do it, and, and they, they demonstrate yeah. how it works pretty well. That they also cool. did a really good job of making Joseph Gordon-Levitt look like a young Bruce Willis. Yeah. Because he doesn't look like him, really, but I guess pro- they might have used some prosthetic makeup. I'm well, assuming they had to from yeah. the looks of how he yeah. looked. They gave him contacts, and they gave him, like, thicker eyebrows, and he yeah. looked a lot like Bruce Willis. And, and I, I heard was, that he really got Bruce Willis's mannerisms down well. Yeah, he did, because Bruce kind of didn't... Yeah, I don't think he necessarily was like, I'm not going to put in any effort at all. But they made Joseph Gordon-Levitt kind of become Bruce Willis and not like a, a middle ground between the two. Sort of like so he's, sort of like Josh Brolin in the new Men in Black movie. Yeah, they like yeah. Joseph Gordon-Levitt looked into uh, lots of uh, Bruce Willis movies. Like he watched them to get down his like his like facial tics and stuff. His uh 
his voice and his habits. They said Bruce Willis would record lines that he was supposed to say, and then he'd listen to how Bruce Willis would say, you know, said lines. Oh, wow. So, yeah, he he got a lot of – he definitely did some method acting to get into that role. Wow. Yeah, it's an excellent film. Uh, It it just – it plays with a lot of sci-fi tropes in a very interesting way. Yeah, it kind of – Changes up the conventions pretty well. I liked it. Yes. And the design, like I said, there was it wasn't like super high concept, but there was a bunch of cool little things with the design. The uh, the way the cars were all kind of just retrofitted present day cars, and fifty years from now, well, thirty years from now, uh, the guns were all kind of like basic and sleek and kind of uh, rough looking. Mm-hmm. And then they didn't the flying motorcycle is basically a crotch rocket. <laughs> but it, it flew. So that was the one kind of, kind of like, high future piece of technology, like, high concept weird thing. I didn't like how they called handguns gats. I thought that was kind of dumb. And how the lubers used the blunderbuss things that were just kind of like a tube with a handle. <laughs> so it's like they devolved the shotgun into... <laughs> the uh, predecessor of a shotgun. Just a big boomstick. Basically. Well, like they mentioned, like, oh, there's no finesse to it. Anything within 50 feet is dead, and anything outside of it you're going to miss. Huh. Or whatever, that one Gatman guy that was mocking JGL's character. Yeah. I, admit, I as much as he did a good job acting like uh, Bruce Willis, I prefer more... Joseph Gordon-Levitt as Joseph Gordon-Levitt. Oh, yeah. Yeah, his role was definitely... He definitely was different than his character in, like, The Dark Knight or Inception. Yeah, I like Joseph Gordon-Levitt as an actor a lot. But, yeah, Uh, he's a good actor, so it worked out. He actually worked with the the same director that did Looper in a movie called Brick, which I Oh, I was just going to bring that up. That's an awesome movie. It's, uh... It's like high school film noir uh, murder mystery. Yeah, that's a fantastic movie. Everybody talks like gumshoes. Yes. <laughs> I have to say, like, I've watched that movie twice. I have it. Uh, I've watched it twice, and both times I was like, that was really cool. I'm not completely sure I understood all of it, but it was really cool. Yeah. Well, that was a good thing about Looper. It wasn't hard to follow. Yeah. Like, they did time travel in a very good way, a way that wasn't needlessly complicated. That's and like, good. ooh, paradoxes. Mm-hmm. Well, and it's good that they did what you were talking about, Brandon. They demonstrated how the mechanics work rather than just telling you and then hoping that you understood it. Yeah. Well, like Kyle said, I mean, there's even a scene where they're just like, I'm not going to talk about time travel because it's just going to take too long. Yeah. yeah, they're like, this is needlessly complicated, so let's just settle on the fact that you get shoved into the time machine and it goes backwards. <laughs> And you get dumped outside of a time machine somewhere, which is a little strange, I guess. Like, the time machine didn't travel, you traveled. Huh. Yeah, like, like, like a, it's basically like a microwave that whatever you put in the microwave pops and <laughs> yeah. shows up in a field in Kansas. Well, that's basically how it worked in Terminator. Yeah, yeah, it was like Terminator time travel. Except with Terminator, you go through naked. Yeah, you didn't need to be <laughs> naked for this time travel. I also thought it was weird afterwards. I, I, I'm like, yeah, oh, this is weird that this big city is surrounded by cornfields. And oh. then I realized, oh, it's Kansas City. 
<laughs> I didn't know this movie took place in Kansas City because in the far future, I expected Kansas City would just be a barren wasteland. <laughs> well, the not so far future. Parts of it were kind of barren. Yeah, I mean, it was it was like a city surrounded by cornfields, but I didn't expect anything over two stories to be in Kansas City since I've never been there. And, you know, stereotypes. That nothing in the Midwest is over three stories. Ah. Uh, so was there anything else you wanted to talk about with The Walking Dead? I think we've moved on. Yeah, yeah. we've moved on. Um, yeah, I don't Time think travel. There, yeah, time travel. I don't think there was anything I wanted to talk about with it. Uh, trying to think. Oh, Andrea. I did want to talk about her a little bit because I know a lot of people really disliked her as a character, especially in season two. Uh, and I've always, I've always found her character interesting. Part of that might just be because she's played by Laurie Holden, and I really liked Laurie Holden since I saw her as Sybil Bennett in the first Silent Hill movie. But, uh, I think, I think she has a really dynamic storyline, which is what I like about her. I didn't like her in the second season either, because her character, it, it seems like the second season writers didn't know how to write a decent female character since you had Andrea, who's only concerned with, I want to hold a gun. Why don't I get to hold a gun? And then Dale going, no, honey, you're not old enough, or whatever Dale is doing. Well, trying to keep her from shooting someone in the side of the head. Yeah. <laughs> which, of course, didn't work out. Yeah. You had Lori, whose main goal was to, her main, like, personality quirk was Carl stay in the house. Yeah. Carl never stayed in the house. And an emphasis on laundry. Hey. Oh, yeah. Rick, I hope you don't go and kill Shane. Shane's been saying some bad things, and it would be, you know, maybe maybe you should go talk to him, but don't kill him. There and was, then when he does kill Shane, she's like, why did you kill Shane? <laughs> there, was, there was a great macro that someone put up on Tumblr right after that ep- the episode where she... She like has that conversation with him where she's totally implying that she, that he should kill her, kill Shane, and it's just like three panels. And the first one is like, "I'm going to tell you to kill Shane," and the second one is, "And then get completely pissed off when you kill Shane." And the yeah, last one is just that look on Rick's face where he's just like, "Huh." <laughs> All Carol did as a character was complain about how Rick didn't do anything for her daughter despite spending at least six episodes looking for her daughter. Yeah. Maggie had somewhat of a personality, which was just, man, my dad's going to be so mad that I'm dating an Asian guy. <laughs> and then Herschel's like, I, I don't care anymore. My family's that. all dying. There's a conversation that they have in uh, one of the episodes. I think it's close to the end of the season. And, uh, she, she's going to talk to him about how, like, the, or maybe it was mid-season. She's talking to her, her dad about how, uh, Rick and the group have a better sense of w- what it's like on the outside than they do on the farm. And uh, when she starts talking to him at first, Herschel's like, is this about the Asian boy? And Maggie's just like, no, dad, it's not about the Asian boy. And his name is Glenn. <laughs> <laughs> And then they do it in a convenience store. <laughs> was it a convenience store? Or was it the lost with the zombie barn? Because <laughs> I remember he stumbles upon the lost in the zombie barn and was like, what the hell? This is full of zombies. And she's like, yeah, dad thinks he can cure them. I remember they, they tried to have sex in the convenience store and then they were attacked by a zombie. I don't remember what happened after. I, I thought they went full... Okay. Uh, 
Full penetration. Maybe I'm not remembering correctly. <laughs> I like how you had to emphasize that. Sure, <laughs> there was implied penetration in there. I mean, since it's on AMC and not HBO, we don't know, but yeah. probably. Yeah, I think. I think. Yeah, looking back on it now, I think there was there were clothes off. So. <laughs> and speaking of that, um, do you guys watch Game of Thrones? Oh no, I've been wanting nah, to. I- you really should. I don't have HBO. Yeah, I don't have HBO or Netflix. Find it so. online too, in legitimate ways. Yeah, hopefully I'll be able to watch that sometime soon, and then hopefully we'll talk about that in, on a future podcast because I've heard nothing but good things about that show. Yeah, there's two seasons out now, which is why I caught up with it when I had a chance. Since uh, I guess the third season probably is going to come out uh, next year, like first quarter, maybe like. March probably, well, but yeah, you know it's definitely I... worth watching, and you'll recognize characters Ian since oh yeah, John Snow and um Sean Bean, Sean Bean, yeah. I never remember John Snow's real name because I don't really like him. Uh, Kit Harrington. Yeah, I, he's not so great on the show so far, but I guess he just doesn't have a a great storyline yet. His storyline gets more interesting, I hear later in the yeah. book series. Yeah, he wasn't that great in the Silent Hill movie either, but we'll possibly talk about that later. <laughs> he's he's kind of hit or miss, but that show's definitely great and has lots of um, mm-hmm. it's got lots of twists and turns. It's one of those shows where you don't want to tell people about characters dying because they kind of just, oh man, this character just got stabbed yeah. and died. Yeah, I heard that basically. Like my brother and his wife just started watching it, and he was talking to me about how. They'll introduce characters, and in, on any normal show, these characters would probably be there for, like, quite a few episodes. They might be there for, like, till the end of the season, or even for multiple seasons, but they introduce these characters, and then, like, a couple episodes later, they'll they'll be dead. <laughs> yeah, and they, they're not strangers to, uh, they're not opposed to killing off, like, main characters. Yeah. People you think are going to be important for the entire series will end up dead. Yeah, well, yeah, I... I... I got a spoiler with the main character that died, one of the main characters that dies, like, at the end of the first season, and I was, oh, yeah. even though I haven't watched it A lot it yet, of people were surprised about that, yeah. Yeah. Well, but, considering who plays the character, were they really surprised? <laughs> well, uh, I, I, yeah, I think yeah, that they saw he'd last longer. It's but a yeah, pretty it's, good point. It's yeah. a good show. That the characters are really good. Like, I love Peter Dinklage's character, Tyrion. I've He's heard, great. I watched... One clip of him, Peter Dinklage. He's he's plays the shorter dude, right? Yeah, he's a little person. He plays Tyrion the dwarf. They call him. Yeah, because they're I, not you know politically correct, obviously, yeah. since it's um, you know sort of medieval era high fantasy. But yeah, they call him the dwarf, and yeah. he's a uh, one of the Lannisters, one of the uh, big families on the show. Yeah, and he's I, great because he he's not you know great in a fight, but he's really good at convincing people to fight for him or tricking people. Yeah, he's, I, he's a great character. I I've only the only scene I've seen from any of the any episode of the show is a scene a clip that someone posted online that I watched, and it, it's Tyrion at like uh like in the chamber of some religious body I think, and he he says he's come to confess. And then he just goes into these incredibly graphic descriptions of like uh, <laughs> heinous sexual acts, like like 
I don't know, people he's killed. Just really, lots of really disgusting stuff. And it's clear that he didn't come to confess. He just wanted to turn everyone's stomach or something. Or just yeah. come off as completely, in, uh, so many improprieties. <laughs> yeah, he just wanted to <laughs> kind of be sarcastic. He's, he's yeah. a very witty, snarky character compared to a lot of other characters on the show who are more apt to murder people. Yeah. Not, not, quite in like stupid ways there's only a few characters that are kind of big and brutish but he generally just kind of insults people instead of getting them killed yeah he's yeah definitely one of the best characters on the show yeah what i've only seen the first episode but what i saw of it i definitely enjoyed it they Even also with all the crazy incest <laughs> well yeah just i guess it's like an hbo thing where they well i guess it was in the books too but, like, every episode has to have, like, one group do it as sex scene. Yeah. <laughs> Which is kind of odd. They find it necessary, because some don't even really seem like they need to be there. Oh, Like, so yeah. this one isn't really character building or anything. This is just going on in the background. Yeah. There was a like, Saturday Night Live skit where they revealed that creative advisor to the show is a 13-year-old obsessed with boobies. <laughs> <laughs> I could see it. Well, like one character, um, Littlefinger's always he he runs a uh, like a, a whorehouse, like a brothel, and like every time they cut to him, he's always just hanging out there, like instructing the whores how to better do their job. He's just like sitting in a chair, staring at them. He's like, "No, this is what you do. Put your hand on her chest." <laughs> like he doesn't even seem like he enjoys it. Oh, he just man. kind of watches, <laughs> and. Yeah, I'm pretty sure he's normal, whereas one of the other advisors to the king, Varric, is a eunuch. <laughs> he's, he's like this fat, pasty eunuch that they call the spider, which is funny because he doesn't resemble a spider in any way. He huh. kind of looks like a marshmallow man without testicles, I'd imagine. <laughs> but no one trusts him because no one trusts the eunuch. Oh. Also, he's the spy master or something, so that's also probably there. Another reason why people don't trust him. Yeah, I gotta start watching that show. If, it's definitely if for a great nothing show. else than uh, conniving eunuchs that everyone uh, mistrusts <laughs> and Distrust. little people that are the best characters in the show. Yeah, they never get credit. They're always used as comic relief, which sucks. Yeah, yeah. Peter well, Dinklage, Peter Dinklage definitely is one of the best actors on that show. He's a great actor. Yeah. He's awesome in anything he's in. There's this like ridiculously bad movie called Tiptoes. Uh, <laughs> well, he plays Gary Oldman's dwarf friend, who Gary Oldman also plays a dwarf in it. <laughs> what? Do they use, like, trick photography, like, with the hobbits? Really, really shitty little people effects. Oh, um, wow. <laughs> Does he get on his knees and wear shoes on his knees? Yes. Oh, yes. no. I so his arms are still oh, the same no. Yeah. It's, it's a terrible movie with Matthew McConaughey. I, um, oh, that that says enough there. But but Peter Dinklage like does his best, but it's funny because his character is like this ridiculous like separatist dwarf who who believes that little people like should separate themselves, or like a very Malcolm X Magneto type character. Huh. <laughs> but he plays it completely seriously because he's Peter Dinklage. Yeah. Uh, why does Gary Oldman choose roles choose roles like that? Gary Oldman has some odd roles. Like just, for such a good actor, yeah, he's got some really strange roles. Like people argue with me about this, but I think The Fifth Element was a piece of shit, uh, and he was 
he was he played a kind of weird role in that movie too. Yeah. Like, didn't he kind of talk like this? And well, yeah, I think that was. It seems like with a lot of British actors, the first time they try to do an American accent, they immediately go to Southern. Well, well, what's uh, what's um, where is uh Liam Neeson from? Because he still can't do an American accent. Liam Neeson from Scotland or Ireland? Yeah, I was gonna say I believe he's Scottish. Yeah. yeah, he's still terrible at doing American accents. <laughs> oh yeah, watching Taken. That's that's kind of funny. People well, listening to where his uh his accent breaks through. Yeah, some people are great at it. Like for instance, uh, anyone who's been in a super mo- superhero movie in the past couple of years has most likely been English. Oh yeah. <laughs> like uh, Christian Bale, for instance. Yeah. Or um, uh, we were talking about The Walking Dead, Andrew Lincoln. Oh, yeah. The guy who plays yeah. Rick, he's English. Yeah, the first he time I heard his voice. Thing. He's also um the nephew, or, or not nephew, like a nephew-in-law. His his father-in-law is Ian Anderson, the front man from Jethro Tull, who plays oh. a flute and stands on one leg like a flamingo, which I thought huh. was kind of funny. Huh. Uh, yeah, I actually wa- I not watched. I listened to, they they had Andrew Lincoln on a recent episode of The Nerdist. And just listening to him talk, it was kind of cool because he's got a great, great British accent, and he was saying lots of cool things about the show itself. Yeah, so he's another he or like um House Hugh Laurie. Oh yeah, Hugh Laurie's good at disguising his accent. Uh, yeah. Well, he fooled friggin' Brian Singer. Brian Singer was like, okay, for our main character, we 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 just want a straight up American actor, and then he watches the the audition tape for Hugh Laurie, and he's like, see, this is what we need, grade-A American actor, and they're like, he's actually British. And they're like, (laughs) what? (laughs) They even made fun of it on the Emmys once. They had Zach Braff and Hugh Laurie introducing uh, an an award, and uh, Zach Braff starts talking, and then Hugh Laurie starts talking, and it's in his natural British accent, and Zach Braff's just like, what? What? You could have told me that we were going to come out and do silly English accents. Uh, I always love whenever... <laughs> no, I love whenever there's British actors playing American actors and they do a fake, fake British accent. Oh, like there's, there's one uh, at show Alphas that I watched. They, there's an actor who's British and they had someone else like impersonating him who was British. And so... They gave like they had him talk in his natural voice for that role, and it, it's just always kind of or like arrested. To, is Charlize Theron British? I don't think so. No, no she isn't. I don't she, think so. Wait, joke. Is she? No, I never hear her with an accent, so I don't think she is. They're, I'm pretty sure she's not. Wait, no, she's um, South African. Oh yeah, is she? I don't think she has the South African accent though, does she? Um, hmm. I'm wikiing it just because now I'm confused. But, but they had a, I can't remember the joke, but they had a joke about her accent in Arrested Development. Uh, she, well, well, I want to say she's Australian, but that might, I might just be thinking of Nicole Kidman. No, I remember that she's South African because the guy that played Wickes in District 9 did a video with her as a fellow South African. Yeah, and his, South African. his accent makes him pretty... I saw that again. It was, like, playing on TV. I forgot. His accent makes him kind of hard to understand sometimes, especially oh, yeah. when he's panicking throughout the movie. He's also an awful character. Yeah. Like, he's all right as a character. I just hate him as a person. 
He yeah. was an annoying prick throughout most of that movie. I remember he was supposed to be a spineless bureaucrat. Yeah, I was going to say, like, hideous-looking, sympathetic aliens are better characters. They're, they're like, oh, man, these guys, I love these guys. And then Wickes is just like, I don't fucking care. I don't like this arm. I want to go back to the way it used to be. Yeah, I, I think that was cat the point. Food. Yeah. <laughs> I need cat food. Delicious I was actually, cat food. I think that's part of, like, the whole commentary on the politics in South Africa. And the funny thing was, going into, yeah, going into District 9... I was expecting there to be more commentary, and then like it gets to I the third act. Less action. <laughs> yeah, it gets to the third act, and it, it, it like there was a moment when I remember the exact moment when I was like, "This is pretty standard sci-fi action fare." It's when Vigus is like walking away in the mech alien thing, and then. <laughs> He has his change of heart to go back and save the dude or whatever. I, I saw this. And you can a just imagine, ago. like, the radical rock music starts playing yeah. and it's like, time to kill. Yeah, I'm like, this, this movie isn't as different as I thought it was going to be. Basically, by the end of the movie, it's like, yep, this could, this could be not necessarily any sci-fi movie because the setting really did play a big part in it. Um, yeah, that that was definitely yeah, an important role, well, but I mean, it kind of started changing around the, hey man, come here, I want that arm, I want yeah. that arm, man, and then, you know, he breaks into the lab, and there's lots of gunfire and exploding people, and... Yeah, yeah, it, it go like, I I enjoyed the movie, because for me, the parts where it, it turned into yeah, me too. standard sci-fi, it turned into explosive sci-fi. Right? Oh, yeah. Literally explosive. Yeah. yeah. Hey, since like, we're talking uh, about sci-fi... You know it would be more interesting than talking about Italian scientists getting thrown in jail for earthquakes? Anything? Talking about Disney buying Lucasfilms. Oh, <laughs> and yes. why it's a great thing in my mind. I agree uh, with you. Yeah, I I honestly don't really care either way. I mean, I like Star Wars, but I'm not as much of a diehard fan as I know other people are. I'm more of a I'm I'm more of a diehard Lord of the Rings fan. Well, for the second time in this podcast, you can shut the hell up and get out of here. <laughs> All right. Oh, wait, l- let me let me close the door to my room so that I can make it sound convincing. One moment. I, you kind of gave that away now. Yeah. I think we know it's... Unless he's going to edit it out later. Could you guys hear that? that yes, we like... heard it. Okay. I think I probably just disturbed my parents, and they're like, oh, what's going on? <laughs> Regardless. I think this is one of the best things I've heard about the Star Wars franchise in a while. Oh, now yeah. that I know that complete creative control is out of Lucas's hands. Oh, yeah. And the movies will continue to be made. Yeah. I mean, he's still a story consultant, which is fine, because that's what he did with the old movies. But when he started deciding he was going to do everything unfettered without people to tell him his bad ideas are bad, yeah. then he wrecked the franchise. There are reasons people have editors. Yeah, it's like the one of the biggest plot points of the prequel series was, you know what sucks? Love. So fuck my stupid bitch of an ex-wife. <laughs> I'm going to make the Jedi hate love. Um, and then it's going to make an angsty 10-year-old kid into Darth Vader. Sand. What is... I, I hate sand. <laughs> Let's have a racing scene where we have pod racers. Hey, you don't know what those I, are? Let's talk about them for an hour and a half. That racing scene was pretty awesome, though, because it, it takes things directly from the chariot scene in Ben-Hur. Oh. Yeah, wow. but I don't care. <laughs> Sometimes there are things that would be cool if you put an homage in your movie, and that's not one of them. Yeah. Hey. Fake chariots. 
Hey, man, when I saw that when, when I was, like, nine years old or whenever that movie came out, I thought it was the coolest thing well, ever. We all thought it was the coolest thing when we were nine. Those movies were made to sell toys. Yeah, basically. I remember getting the Legos. Yeah, same here. Uh, yeah. But I think this is great because look at what Mar or look at what Disney did to the Marvel movies. Do you remember most of those Marvel movies from before Disney owned them? No, because they were terrible. <laughs> what are you talking about? Elektra was oh, the uh, seminal comic. <laughs> Dear God, I forgot that existed. I, me too. <laughs> You've just my point. Oh my gosh! I was thinking like Ghost Rider was the low point. No, 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 because you see, Daredevil was received so well that they decided to make a spin-off. <laughs> um, yeah, okay, so that that's, that just proves my point even harder. Yeah. I still... The Marvel franchise is in a much better place now that it's owned by Disney. Oh, yeah. Uh, and Pixar hasn't, you know, significantly changed at all since they're owned by Disney. I still really like X2. I mean, I know it has its flaws, but that to me is... One, still one of my favorite superhero well, movies. Right. Well, X-Men 1 and 2 are okay because, well, for one, Brian they're still... Singer. But Brian yeah. Singer. And they're yeah. still owned by Sony, franchise-wise. Yeah. I think well, I think uh, Spider-Man is, too, and that's why he had yeah. no part to play in the Avengers. Yeah. Well, that's and why he'll never have a part to play in the Avengers. The thing I'm okay with that. I'm not a fan of Spider-Man. I, I, I like Spider-Man a lot. Um, But the thing I, I heard was that, number one... I read something where the producer of The Amazing Spider-Man, the newest one, said that she was will- very willing to uh, make, uh, like, come to an agreement with Disney somehow, Disney and Marvel somehow, on working the Spider-Man story into the the Marvel, like, persistent universe storyline that they got going on in the movies now, if they want to do that. I guess um, if they can get the rights back from Sony. Yeah, I remember Whenever that... Sony's rights are... I guess up whenever they're uh, and if well, they don't renew it or if they don't yeah, allow them that's, to do it. That's why they made the. That's why they made the completely unnecessary reboot, though, so yeah. that they kept the rights. Um, yeah, exactly. I actually heard that there was an idea in the final sequence of the Avengers. You were supposed to be able to see uh, Oswald, the Oscorp Tower in. New York City, but it came. It was the idea came so late in the game that they just couldn't. They couldn't fit it in. Well, yeah, there. Um, he he was the character Iron Patriot, which was like an Iron Man spinoff in like the Dark Avengers series, where they were evil versions. But the Iron Patriot that's going to be in Iron Man three, mm-hmm. the movie. I'm assuming it's just going to be Rhodes, since it looks like the War Machine armor but repainted. Yeah, I so think I think that's it's just you know in a special army subsidized version of the uh, Iron Man armor. And Ben Kingsley is playing the Mandarin. Oh, yeah, I saw that. At first, I thought it was kind of weird, but I guess it fits, because the Mandarin, like, was only... I think he like, he's supposed to... Well, for one, he was, like, a terrible Fu Manchu stereotype. Yeah. But to make it a little more modern, he's, like, half Mongolian, half nondescript Asian. I guess Ben Kingsley is half Indian or something, so... Yeah, he's English well, he play Gandhi. and Indian, I believe. Yeah, I thought he played Gandhi, and um, his accent for the Mandarin's kind of weird because he's just kind of doing an American accent, but it sounds kind of strange from what I've heard in the trailer. Honestly, it looks cool, though. Yeah, honestly, when I first watched the trailer and uh, Ben Kingsley popped up in his makeup and everything, I thought he looked like one of the dwarves from Lord of the Rings. He kind of did, yeah. He had, like, a beard and long hair. So I was like, who the hell is this? Why is a dwarf in, in the Iron Man movie? 
I'm wondering how they're going to handle him, too, since Iron Man's villains are usually tech-based, yeah. but the Mandarin's magical, and I guess they can work magic in now, since they kind of did with the Avengers. Yeah. They could just explain it as, like, alien magic, like they did with yeah. the Asgardians, like, oh, yeah, Thor's not really a god, he's just a super alien. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I remember hearing, actually, that uh, originally they were going, this may be true or maybe not, I think I just heard it by hearsay or whatever, um, if I'm even using that term correctly. But anyway, I remember hearing somewhere that originally they were going to have the leader of that uh Middle Eastern terrorist group from the first movie become the Mandarin, but they couldn't. Yeah, because the they called them the Ten Rings or something. Yeah, and he wears ten rings on his hand, so mm-hmm. magic rings that all do different things. Yes, <laughs> but yeah, the trailer for three looked pretty cool. I like yeah, the ideas like uh, that they showed off in the trailer and the. uh possible sentient armor or something. <laughs> yeah, I, that I was reading about is actually... A nightmare, probably. It, it comes from... Well, the the living armor that actually comes from a storyline. Yeah, extremists or extremists. Yeah. It, it sounds... The storyline's premise seems dumb, but I've never read it, so I yeah. can't judge. But it has to do with Tony Stark shoving nanomachines in his blood, and then when he wants his suit to activate, the nanomachines come out of his blood and make a suit or something yeah. crazy like that. Like, uh, he stores, five, like, two tons of robot armor in his bloodstream. Mm-hmm. Well, I thought it was... I thought the trailer was okay, but I'm very skeptical after the after second two. Iron Man. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's not Which had, it had the problem of having too many villains that you usually don't see until the third installment of the series. I mean, Which, it only seems like there's going to be one villain in this movie. I mean, Iron Patriot looks like he's beating up Iron Man, but I mean, I, I'm still thinking it's Rhodes, so. What? I think it'll be like in the second movie where he'd beat him up to snap him out of his, his drunkenness. Who makes that decision? Who says, hey, we don't want just one villain in this movie, we want like three, like... Who who came up to Sam Raimi and was like, okay, we need to have Sandman and Venom and Green like the new Goblin or whatever, make it work. And Sandman needs to fly away into the sunset. Yeah. <laughs> when he becomes sympathetic at the end, I'm thinking it might just be either the writer of the movie wanting to do like a fan service writing, yeah. or the director wants more people to see his movie, so he's like throwing more well known villains. Yeah. Or maybe Marvel itself is like, let's make it big, but now that they have the Avengers, I don't think they're going to do that so much anymore. Yeah, they don't, they don't need to do that. Because it mean, looks like with um Captain America, well, I don't, Captain America 2 is going to be about the Winter Soldier or whatever. Yeah. Uh, Thor is going to be about Dark Elves or something. Yes. Um, so and, basically Hellboy 2. Yeah. yeah, basically. And Iron Man 3 looks like it'll be about the Mandarin. Yeah. And... Well, it seems like it'll be in the Mandarin, because two, they didn't do a very good job of juggling Justin Hammer and, uh, what's his face, Whiplash. I mean, Whiplash was a pretty oh, crap yeah. villain. Somehow you stole my father's design, so now I kill you, or something, <laughs> I don't know.
guys ever watch uh, Who Wants to Be a Superhero? Yes. yes. I watched the first season of that. Not Are all you going to bring up the whip guy? The whip girl. The whip girl. I can't remember. I just remember someone had a whip. Her name was Whiplash. <laughs> she was, she was going to whip you into unconsciousness and snap you back into reality. Yeah, they had the worst tagline. Yeah. I remember... <laughs> I, I liked Big Mama or whatever, who was like, I'm going to clean the streets of villainy. Yeah. The only episodes I remember from that show are, like, the first one and the last one. I remember from the first episode, they had that whole meet-and-greet thing, and there was the one guy called Rodiart, which <laughs> no one realized was Traitor Backwards, which is just silly. Well, how much of the show do you think was scripted? Yeah. I feel All like a it. lot of it was, yeah, I was going to say, I think they knew a good deal of what was happening, because there was, like, the super... Uh, energetic guy in the first or second season who's like, I do flips off of walls and spike my hair like an anime character. And he was always just like, wow, I'm so pumped up that this thing happened. Yeah. Can you well, believe I it? Love, in the se- second season is what I saw, and they would always show them like going to bed in their costumes. Like, <laughs> good night, everyone. Good night. And I I like the, um every now and then they have like a wildly, like, they're like, okay, well, we need you guys to come up with sympathy stories. It's like, why are you a superhero? Well, I like video games and got picked on a lot. And then it's like, what about you, Captain Hero, or whatever? And he's like, I was a male stripper and my daughter hasn't talked to me in a while. Oh. It's like, what about you, uh, cleaning lady, big mama, whatever? I had a miscarriage. Oh, that was hygiene. Yeah. Hygiene, that was their name. So it's oh, like, let's man. talk about personal shit and then have the <laughs> the winner be yeah, the one that has the least that whole thing. Or... That whole thing disturbed me because, again, yeah, because they have these fantastic characters in the sense that they're fantasy characters, not that they're the greatest characters ever. They have these fictional characters that they've come up with, but they're drawing from, like, their real-life backstory, which... There's something weird going on there for me. I, I well, certain characters were more drawn from their backstory. There was like the the big guy who wore like a stupid sleeve, and he's like, "I got metal arms." And then they kicked him off the show at one point, and Stan Lee in a evil suit runs into him. He's like, "Oh, become my villain sidekick!" Like oh, obviously, yeah. they probably scripted him from the beginning to be a hateable character, that. and then yeah. they're like, "Come on, let's make you into a villain." Or then they had kind of random guys that I don't know if they were scripted, like the one dude, the, he was in the first season, I think, his name was Levity, and he's like, my thing is I'm like, okay, superhero, and then he just kept talking about his toys and comic books, and then Stan Lee's just like, you want to sell toys, and that's not what a real superhero would do. <laughs> or, or the girl with the like colorful wig, it's like, what do you do? Well, I have a lot of colors in my hair. Cool. Oh, braid. You're gone. Oh, man. Braid was gone the first episode of season One of my favorites was the girl who wore trash bags. The Sora. Yes. What? She She, wore, like, she was, like, made of garbage or something. Oh, my God. Her thing was that she recycled everything, but when Stan had his, like, meeting with her where he redoes her costume, Mm -hmm. (laughs) he turned it into, like, a stripper outfit. Oh, jeez. With garbage bags and stuff. Oh, jeez. Yeah, like, his, his, um... His outfits, half of them turned out really terrible. Like, there was the big firefighter guy who they gave, like, a centurion helmet. <laughs> it's like, you're a Roman warrior now. Well, then. Oh, yeah, I remember that, dude. Some of them turned out cool. I like Feedback, the guy who won the first season. Oh, yeah. 
worked out all right because it it just kind of looked like a superhero costume. It yeah. wasn't like some stupid like French made outfit with with like a laser. <laughs> well, that, yeah, <laughs> like a laser duster. And the name was a lot better than a lot of the other ones too. Yeah, some of the names are pretty uh, stupid. Here now, I'm now I'm curious. I gotta look up these characters again. <laughs> I kind of wish that show came on or came back. I, I that was a good sci-fi reality show. I yeah, miss that show. I might buy it actually because I saw it on Amazon. They actually made seasons on DVD. Well, the, not on DVD. Brushed like, it under the rug. <laughs> oh, okay. Because the DVD is twenty-five dollars, and I'm not paying that much for a show that I watch. Ironically. Yeah. Okay. The first season, they even list that Rody Art guy. He's yeah. like, he was by. Yeah, he he was totally a real contestant. Come on. Oh, how can I forget Cell Phone Girl? Cell Phone Girl? Oh my gosh, I remember her. She had a cell phone. That was her power. Oh, man. So she could call real heroes for help. And she was kicked off the show because she failed the courage-oriented watchdog challenge after she got a headache and quit four seconds Oh, in. I remember that. That was That was a brutal... Kind of uh, test. It was like, oh yeah, go up against these ravenous dogs or whatever. Oh yeah, they put you in like a dog suit so you could get ripped up. Yeah. Oh, that's who I was thinking of. The first season had Fat Mama. Oh, Fat Mama. Because the, yeah, major victory was the male stripper guy who got a call from his daughter at the end. Fat Mama, I think, was just on the show to be like, I want to prove to my kids that I'm cool. Yeah. And then feedback was the one who's like, oh, I got picked on or something. Yeah. And then they up the ante the next season with the miscarriage and the. Yeah. <laughs> oh man. I mean that whole thing because they were asking the other ones and it's just like, what did you do that was terrible? Oh, I slept outside a boy's house because I liked him. Oh, <laughs> I broke down a bathroom stall when I was drunk, and then she's just, you know, I had a miscarriage and may not be able to have children. The oh. first season also had, I thought Iron Enforcer, the guy who became an evil, who became a villain was in the second season, but he was apparently in the first, as well as Monkey Woman, uh, that Tyveculus <laughs> guy who was like a firefighter. Oh, Tyveculus. Uh, I don't remember Creature. I kind of remember someone named Lemuria, but I forget what she did. Yeah. Uh, then yeah, Major Victory was the Superman-esque guy. Fat mm-hmm. Mama was a fat, a fat woman, I guess. Yeah. And feedback <laughs> had video game power. Didn't they end up coming down to her and feedback? I think. They had, like, a... They had to make a commercial for their, like, movie that they never got. They just shoved feedback in, like, a cameo in some terrible sci-fi... It was, it was one of the, the major snake ones. Yeah. He yeah. just showed up and was like, oh, no, a snake. Come on, kids. Let's go this way. I just remember seeing, like, they did mock-ups of comic book covers if the superheroes won, and I remember it being Feedback and Fat Mama, I think. Yeah, season two had Braid, the character who had tentacle hair or whatever. She was, like, eliminated immediately. Someone named Mindset, who... I Oh, he was, like, a bald guy who had a weird costume. He was uh, an annoying dick. And he, <laughs> his name was Omnicrone or something, but then they changed his name because it was stupid. Yeah. There was Mr. Mitzvah, the Jewish stereotype hero. Oh, okay. Had, but in his defense, he was a real-life philanthropist. He was, but 
he, he had a ping pong paddle with the Star of David on it or something. Huh. That was like, I got this from King David. I don't oh, um, explain further. Oh, geez. The, the sci-fi like movie. Shot? That, it, it deflects uh, attacks or something, so I guess he, he ping-pongs villains attacks away. Uh, there was, <laughs> there, uh, there was Miss Limelight. Uh, she was, she was the idiot. Yeah, she had a mirror and had night vision from dark theaters or something, it says. Huh. Uh, there was Besora, who was the one with the trash power. She, her powers turned trash into treasures, so she was essentially a DIY freegan. Oh, basura, like the Spanish word for garbage. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. For some reason, wi- I thought you were saying thesaura, like thesaurus thesaura. without the S. <laughs> yeah, there was whip snap, which is the one Brandon mentioned. Yeah. Snap you back into reality. Oh, man. There was Parthenon, who was like, what was he, like an archaeologist or something? He had an amulet. Um... He was the gay guy with whose secret was um, they had like a, a chest at the foot of the bed during the tour of his house. Full of pirate treasure. Like, and they're like, the secret is in there. And I'm like, oh, God. Oh, no. And then <laughs> it's just like, it's decorative throw pillows because he likes to decorate and that's his secret. Oh, geez. it's like, oh, okay, cool. <laughs> there was nothing dark and scary in that. <laughs> Uh, there, yeah, Hygiena, Hyper, Hygiena was the, like, she dusted, she had a feather, a feather duster that shot radiation. Wow. There was Hyper Strike, who was that martial artist guy who looked like he was wearing a single piece of stretchable fabric, and he liked to do backflips off of walls. And then the diffuser is the guy who won, who was like a cop. Do you know what his special ability was? He had the ability to function at 110%. Huh. His ability was giving it 110%. Well then. And hitting things with tasers. Isn't that special? So yeah, I kind of miss that show since now they have the makeup show and the set design show. Yeah, I actually like Face Off a lot and they finished up this season like yesterday and I still haven't gotten to watch it, but uh, I was gonna ask who won. <laughs> what? I was gonna ask you who won. Yeah, I I, I missed it last night because I was recording in the studio. Um, but uh, I I I really like Face Off because it's it's looking at some a creative art which I I like. And yeah, it, I really like practical special effects, but I don't know if it's the um if it's just the lack of time they're given, like, I guess they only have three days to do a design or something yeah. or what, but a lot of the times, even the best designs look kind of bad. Mm-hmm. Some Sometimes, though, they're badass. Like, I really liked the, like, redneck cowboy guy this season. He always seemed to do the best, but oh, he got yeah, kicked he, off, didn't he? He, he? he always pushed himself to do so much in three days. Yeah, like, his, I don't, because I, they showed the commercial, like, on the last episode, and it showed three characters, it showed three of the people, and I didn't even know who the, I'm like, why is she back, the one woman who was, like, voted off the show earlier in the season? Then I saw another episode where it's like, they brought back all the losers, and if you could win the challenge, you'd end up back yeah. on the show. Yeah, I actually, uh, she, when once she was back, she did some fantastic work. Was she, like, what was her name, Nicole or Laura? Yeah, Nicole. It was Nicole. Nicole. Yeah, she was the one with the red hair, right? 
Yeah, or she had dyed pink. Pinkish. She had the ponytail, not the frizzy red hair. Yeah, she had the ponytail. Frizzy red hair, she was... She was nice, but she she got voted off. Well, there was that one guy who kept making lumpy heads, and then he redeemed himself. He was the nicest guy ever, and he redeemed himself on the Dishonored channel challenge when they were like making characters based off the video game Dishonored. And then the challenge was pretty cool. The next week, he uh, did the same. He would do these facial uh, prosthetics. That always end up ended up looking the same, and my dad and I realized it's because whenever he's doing the facial stuff, he's looking at his own face, and he doesn't <laughs> change the the features at all from his own face, and so that's why the faces keep looking the same. That makes sense, actually. Yeah, I initially didn't really like the show because I saw the first episode of the current season or whatever, oh. and it was like a Star Star Wars episode, and everyone was so off the mark and made characters that didn't look like Star Wars characters. Yeah, and there was... The only a... exception being that one that kind of looked like a, a sand person Tusken Raider yeah. thing. Well, and plus, but, it, was a, it was a team, it was a team challenge, and that one dude, that poor guy got paired up with this completely uncompromisingly snobbish dude that was like, he created these really really distorted makeups because he wanted to be different, basically. And they didn't always just look good. And I think that was the point of of his style, I suppose. But he was just... He was the worst person to work with on a team challenge. He did not... (laughs) He did not play well with others. And before the judges made their decision, because he and the other dude were in the bottom three that week, before the judges made their decision that dude just walked out. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, um, one of the things that surprised me, like, about how good that Roy guy was, mm-hmm. was, uh, well, every episode, he, like, never showed up in the low spot. He was either high or a winner. And uh, they paired him up with Alana or whatever <laughs> for the superheroes thing, where he made the uh, fire imp woman and yeah. fat gorilla covered in, like, flocking grass. <laughs> Oh, it was an imp dude, wasn't it? He was, like, supposed to be some kind of demon, and she was supposed to be a demon, too, but he was, like, more of an impy, fat thing that Kevin Smith said he could relate to. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, she, it looked like she was going to screw it up, but then they pulled it out at the end, and they ended up having one of the better-looking things. Yeah, they... they I, I like a lot of the stuff. There, There's a lot of really bad stuff on that show, but when they're good, they're really good. There was an episode from the first season called Burton-esque, where they were creating Tim Burton characters. Basically, the idea was to take or everyday jobs, like they had stuff like a plumber and uh, a bellboy and a cellist and stuff, and you basically just took that and you had to create a uh, character that you could picture in a t- being in a Tim Burton movie. And the guy who did the cellist did such a beautiful character he made this woman who had, like, the F-holes on a cello up in her cheeks, and uh, he actually made a cello prop that had this really zigzaggy neck, and at the top of the neck was an actual face, and it was supposed to be, like, the face of her lover or something, and it didn't look hokey. It actually looked really cool and off-putting, uh, and he that guy ended up, it was, I think the guy's thing was, like, Chase or something. He ended up winning the first season. Yeah, I don't know. I didn't see the first season. I've only seen some of the new season or current season. Yeah. I've seen one episode, and it was 
an episode, I think it was last season, when they had to do camouflage. Oh. And there was this guy that everybody hated. And um, the editing was clearly done to make him seem like just a jerk. Yeah. So he probably was a jerk, but everyone they made him look like, like more of one. Yeah, they had to take like nude models and paint them as the scenery behind them. And this guy like refused because he got stuck with a male model. He refused to paint the front of the guy, oh. so he made the guy face the wall oh, and just geez. stand there. I was hoping you were going to say like he didn't actually finish because he was too busy groping his model. Who oh, <laughs> he made look at the wall. Oh wow. Yeah, it, was, it just it looked like his model was like a bad school child that had been sent to the corner. <laughs> what I like about this show though is there's always someone who makes like a train wreck of of a uh, prosthetic or makeup work. It's like Oh yeah. <laughs> it's like clockwork. I don't know if they like they try to sabotage the person on purpose. No, I don't think so. Or what? But yeah, it's always like there's at least one that looks terrible. Yeah, and there's the the judges. There's the one dude, Hetrick, is the first guy on the judges' table, and he never smiles. Like even even when he's giving someone a compliment, he 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 looks more excited or something. But he's he's very much just got this stern expression on his face, like all of the time, and it's kind of hilarious because. They're, they'll always introduce the judges and it'll be like, uh, and we have Vince Hetrick, hello. And then we have V. Neal, hi everyone, and she's all chipper and happy. <laughs> well, sometimes she's not. Sometimes she gets oh, really yeah. mean about things. Yeah. <laughs> like, this is the worst thing I've ever seen. You should be ashamed of yourself for this. <laughs> like, I remember the, um, it was the Alice in Wonderland episode or whatever. Oh, yeah. They had a couple of really good designs like that. That was one of the ones Roy, I think, won because he had the cool, like, Reg Queen design where she had – because they were trying to make it look like zombie Alice in Wonderland. And the Reg Queen, like, flesh was stretched up into a crown. And everyone was like, this is great. (laughs) We're surprised you could do this with such limited time. And then someone just had, like, (laughs) melted Red Queen – who didn't look like a zombie, she just looked fat. And it was a guy, so it was a guy in a fat woman suit. Yeah. So they essentially made a Medea costume. Yeah, that was that was one of the ones where Nicole did a really good job, I think it was. She had the Mad Hatter, I believe, and it, she just got this haunted look on the zombie face that was just perfect. Oh, actually, no, I don't think Roy won that. I think it was one of the other guys because it was that it was that uh i didn't really like it it was um uh, not cheshire, cheshire cat it was the rabbit but he was like he had like a claw arm or something oh roy might have won but i think that guy was like a runner-up and the claw arm rabbit was kind of stupid because they're like let's make a scary badass zombie rabbit whose hand is a claw yeah I did like that he had a bunch of watches up his arms to track stages of the infection, though. That was kind of cool. Yeah, that was a cool, cool element. Uh, so, yeah, Face Off is a pretty cool show yeah. sometimes when they're not ruining my Star Wars love. Oh, yeah. Which is what got us on this topic in the first place yeah. somehow, talking about Star Wars and LucasArts' acquisition by Disney. Yes. At least George Lucas uh, is donating most of the money to, like, a good cause. Yeah. He, he made $4 billion and a lot of it's going to his educational fund. Yeah. Because well, I imagine plus, he's already pretty well off. Yeah, there's already always been a, a partnership between Disney and Star Wars. 
I mean, there are there's the Star Wars right, right. And stuff, yeah. MGM or whatever it's called now, Disney Studios or something. Yeah, and there's there's always been like a sort of corporate connection going on there. So yeah, it's not a huge change, I don't think. But I think it'll be better for the movies in the long run since Lucas doesn't have full control of them now, and no you one needs somebody to, to say no. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Like, I'm trying to think of some of the dumb. Well, for instance, the Gungans. Oh. The entire race of the Gungans. No one was there to tell them this is a dumb idea. We don't oh, need so it. vaguely racist. <laughs> yeah, we don't need Amos and Andy the Frogmen in this movie. Mm-hmm. Well, have them talk jive. <laughs> That'll be a good idea. Excuse me, I speak jive. And then have them fight an army of comic relief robots. Oh, man. Roger, uh, roger. And, I mean, the Gungans weren't even the only vaguely racist. They were the Nepotodians or whatever, too. The the Trade Federation aliens? Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like this. Yeah, that was... I mean... Looking back on it, like, when I was watching it, I didn't see any of it, but looking back on it, it's like, ooh. Yeah, when you look at it from an older point of view, when you're not a kid, yeah. and you're like, oh, maybe the aliens that talk like this are a little offensive. Yeah. I, I was more okay with the Nemodians, because yeah, I, feel, yeah. I feel like it's okay to appropriate elements of cultures in fictional cultures. Mm-hmm. But on the other hand, it was a little on the nose. But I mean, that, that that accent is kind of a stereotype in and of itself. That's Just true. like the Gungan mammy type accent. I mean, you always have the distinction, like in the old movies, between the rebels because they spoke with American accents and the oh, yeah. <laughs> Empire because they all were British. Yeah. Like, they even go so far in the uh, the Old Republic MMO game. All of the, uh, well, all of the solely Empire-based characters all have the British accent because it's like the Empire really? accent. Wow. Yeah, like, it's a full it's part a Coruscant of... Coruscant accent. Oh. Uh, no, it's not Coruscant, I don't think. Is it? Yeah, because Ewan McGregor has that accent, but doesn't he? I, uh, that's true. Maybe he was an outlier. I don't know, because, like, not all of the people from Coruscant had that accent because in the game... Or in, yeah, the Empire isn't really based on Coruscant. Yeah. I don't know. It just seemed like the good guys had American accents and the bad guys had British accents. And in one of the storylines, if you play the Imperial agent class, in their storyline, there's a part where they get, like, secretly embedded with whatever the um the spy network in the Republic is called. And the uh, actual voice actors switch to an American accent in those roles, which is pretty cool. Hmm. Since they're going undercover it doesn't break your immersion of them talking like this. And then you realize, hey, this guy's got the imperial accent. Do you think we could trust him? <laughs> huh. So I thought that was cool that they actually changed their accent when they go between sides. It's a nice touch. Yeah, especially since you're playing a class that's essentially a secret agent. I haven't read it yet, but there's a... Uh, speaking of, like, Star Wars and the sort of back history with it, there's a book about Darth Plagueis that I, I want to read that's, like, from Palpatine's point of view. Uh, yeah, the weird thing about him is he was apparently one of those, like, big, lumpy-headed aliens, like uh, yeah. Mundi or whatever, the one Jedi Master who was, like, an old man with a tall head. Uh, I don't even remember what they're called. No, yeah, it, those it, things, I think. It wasn't him. It was, uh, they were called the Moon. M U N, right? Yeah. Yeah, I think I know what you're talking about. Uh, 
I think it's weird that they've gone this long and they've showed multiple they've shown multiple Yoda whatever he is, but they still don't have a name for his race or really an origin or anything. Oh yeah. I think that's kind of an odd thing. Like every other race is fleshed out and has like multiple branches in the case of the uh the Zabrax, the Darth Maul race. Mm-hmm. But yeah, for some reason Yoda's race, even though we've seen a couple now, doesn't have a name. It's just like unidentified tridactyl species. Maybe they're afraid to like try to establish anything as canon because nothing could possibly live up to like the mystique of Yoda. It's possible. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, there's been like three now. There's Yoda, there was Yaddle or whatever, the female of whatever their race is. And in one of the older public games, there was like Master Rock, and he was the same. They're like super old, they're tiny, they're all force sensitive, but they never really tell you what they are. Yeah. For whatever reason, and I, I really don't know where I'm getting this from, but I think at some point I believed that Yoda was just like, a human that had learned how to live really, really, really long. And so if a human reached the age of Yoda, this is what <laughs> they would end up looking like. <laughs> well, there was that Doctor Who episode where they, like, the master hit him with <laughs> something and he aged into a Yoda. Yeah, that, oh, that's where I'm getting it from. I mean, I only saw that episode recently, so if I came up with this thought earlier than that, it couldn't have been from that. But, yeah, I saw that episode of Doctor Who and I was like, yeah, they made him look sort of like Yoda. But then, oh, spoiler yeah. alert, the power of prayer saves him. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was kind of goofy. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I did like Martha, like, running around the earth, spreading him his tails as his disciple. Oh. Wikipedia claims that Yoda's species is known as Yoda's species now. <laughs> it's not listed as <laughs> tridactyl aliens any- anymore. Oh. Um, oh, <laughs> It says, like, the name and homeworld of this species remains unknown. Members were small, standing below 70 centimeters, extremely long lifespans of many hundred years. Um, they, they mentioned the tridactyl thing is their hand. It means they have three fingers, I guess. Mm-hmm. And anesiodactyl feet, I guess, is the three toes in the front and that one in the back. Yeah, I mean, with how uh, yeah. old Yoda is, he, he might as well be called Yoda's species. Probably the first of his kind or something. Well, he lived to like 900 or something, didn't yeah. he? Yeah, I think it was 900. That, that number sticks Yoda out. Yoda died of natural causes at the age of exactly 900 standard years. So it's his average lifespan unknown up to 900 years since they don't really <laughs> have any other standards because you don't know what happened to like Yaddle. And she just disappeared after the Order 66 thing when everyone blew up. Oh, uh, that, that is like the one scene in episode three that I really like when they're showing the, the effects of Order 66, how like all the clone troopers turn on the Jedi and start killing them. That's actually a cool sequence. I think the best part of episode three was when, uh, uh, Anakin got three of his limbs cut off in one <laughs> strength by Obi-Wan, yeah. and he just uh. kind of let him slide backwards and catch on fire. It was just a really cathartic moment of letting all your frustration of Anakin go up in smoke. <laughs> Literally. As he burns half to death. But yeah, three, uh, three had some alright moments. It was a lot better than one and two. Mm. I will give it that. And the Order 6, like, I liked Grievous' design. I just yeah, didn't really like 
some of his like his spinning hands and stuff. Like they were kind of cool, but they were kind of goofy too. Yeah. How his arms split into four and it's like I'm making a pinwheel of death, and then well, he got then shot in the heart with a laser gun. A the opening rifle. scene of episode three, I think, is one of the most awesome moments in all of the Star Wars movies. The big space battle. Yeah, because you get to see like capital sized ships facing off against one another. Yeah, that was pretty cool. It was a really cool moment. Mm -hmm. One of the things I hated about this prequels is how many times they showed Yoda fighting and how his fight, his combat style was pretty much comic relief. Uh, It's like, who are going to have this little rickety guy doing backflips and jumping around like crazy? I don't See, know if I like, it was ever intentionally meant to be comic relief because I remember well, watching. The whole theater laughed when it happened. Just yeah. from what I remember. Episode two, everyone cheered and clapped when I was watching it. Yeah, I yeah, remember. Like I expect Yoda to be like Palpatine in the sense that he's rickety, he's slow, but he's got really you know great understanding and grip of the Force, so he can do you know a lot of things through the Force, but you know he isn't physically fit for combat. Yeah. Because, I mean, it just seems more along the lines of Yoda's demeanor. Like, he's kind of slow. He speaks in an odd manner. He is really calm most of the time. And then they have him get, like, angry eyes and start jumping around with a tiny lightsaber. Oh, but but he's younger in the prequel trilogy. He's, like, what? 30 years younger? 870? (laughs) As opposed to 900. It's those 30 years... Really make a difference when you're 900 years old. Yeah, they really took a toll on him, apparently, since by the uh, original movies, he could barely do anything. Yeah. It was the fall when he was fighting Palpatine, and he, like, falls off the Senate. Oh. That's what crippled him. (laughs) I guess. I also didn't like how Mace Windu went out. Oh, that was was disappointing. Mace Windu was was such a badass, and I hated Anakin. He's just like, I'm going to push you off the building. What Mace Windu basically, Jango Fett was talked up through the whole movie of being some super badass pre-Boba Fett, Boba Fett, and then he just kind of <laughs> lobs his head off. It's like, one swing, head's gone, yeah. and then <laughs> so the pre-teen Boba Fett walks out and picks up his dad's head, still in helmet. Yeah, my, my least favorite, the line that I always reference from episode three is, uh, only a Sith deals in absolutes. Yeah. There was some kind of cheesy well, lines. It, it's, the line itself is an absolute, so it's kind of... Yeah. Uh, I, they didn't do... They never do a good job of making the Sith anything but, like, mustache-twiddling villains. Yeah. Which is why I really liked Knights of the Old Republic 2. Because oh, that yeah. line great. It was like, the villain is a Sith, but her goal isn't to like become ruler of the galaxy and have absolute power. What she wants to do is kill the force. She wants the force to die. And in turn, all force sensitive creatures will die too, because the force kind of, it's kind of like an argument against the predestination. Mm -hmm. The force is always like your fate can be seen through the force and stuff like that. So she wants to kill that by destroying the force. As a, you know, a construct, which is pretty awesome. Yeah, I thought she was a really cool character. I didn't actually play the game. I just watched my brother play the game because at the time I 
wasn't big into actually playing computer yeah. games. But, uh, yeah, I, I always thought that she was, I can't remember her name, but she was... Kriya. Re- what? Her name was Kriya. Kriya, that's right. Or Kreia, whatever Kreia, yeah, she was the best Sith character. She was such a cool character. Because she was so multi-layered. She wasn't just yeah. like, death, 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 I'm the king of the universe. And and her voice actress was fantastic. Yeah, she had, she a great had so much effect. charisma. And both of the uh, kind of lesser villains were great, too. You had Nihilus, who was basically uh, a hole in the force, and he didn't really have a body any longer. He just kind of was a void in his, like, clothing and his mask. And when he spoke, he, like, physically calls the pain to force users. And there was Darth Sion, who was... He looked all craggy and rocky, and he had, like, that one white eye. And the only thing that kept him alive, pretty much, was his hatred. He was just so full of hatred, he was alive. And the boss fight, you literally talk him to death. Because <laughs> every time you strike him down, he comes back. And he's like, you can't kill me, I just hate so much. So you eventually have to convince him that his life is kind of meaningless, and he'll... Even if he gets revenge, he won't feel anything from it and shit like that. And eventually he just kind of <laughs> accepts death. Oh, wow. Stops hating. So I thought that was kind of a cool concept. Oh, Bioware. I just loved it because of how, like, vicious they made the Force look about, like, what it could yeah. do to a person if they, you know... It wasn't just like, oh, you get veins under your skin and <laughs> you look a little pale and gross, like... The Force literally <laughs> wrecked these two people, like, completely, body and soul. They were, like, husks, which was great. Also, it's Kriya great had that... to be a husk thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right? And Kriya had the cool lightsaber style where she, at the end of the game, when you fight her, oh, she yeah. has, like, three rotating lightsabers that she's holding through with the Force. Oh, she yeah. She doesn't actually use her, or she doesn't actually hold them, which is kind of cool since she's not a physically t- a tough character since yeah, she's an old lady. <laughs> yeah, she's kind of frail. That was cool. Although, I remember my brother playing that, and he had to go through that boss battle like five or six times, and each time he had to go through the conversation again. Yeah, like, that That game was great. Like, she was just so well-handled. She was devious and cunning and, like, uh, could sneak around without people knowing. You had, um, all the characters were a lot better than the first game. You had, um, Atten who was like, oh, I'm just kind of a, a roguish smuggler guy, and then you learn his past, and it's like, wow, that's actually pretty well thought out, and there was Beodur, who was Zabrak, and every time they show them, they're always mean and angry Sith with horns and pointy stuff, but he's just kind of soft-spoken yeah. and an engineer, and he makes snarky jokes and has a robot hand. <laughs> he was cool. There were so many good characters in that game. Yeah. What what games is this again? KOTOR? Yeah. Uh, Knights of the Old Republic 2. It's on Steam now, finally. Oh, it, wow. Uh, it was made by uh, Obsidian. BioWare made the first KOTOR, and since Obsidian was constantly getting handoff sequels, they handed the sequel to them, and also in true Bio- or Obsidian fashion, they shorted them like three months, so the game was kind of buggy, and it didn't get as well-received, and it was a little incomplete and stuff, but... Now they've released an unofficial patch that dug up all the, like, lost resources from the oh. game, did restoration stuff, so now the game's, like, complete. Oh, wow. Yeah, so wait, that... Bioware what? didn't actually... Did Bioware write the second game? No. Oh, wow. 
honestly, that's why I think the story is better. Like, I like huh. Bioware, but when it comes to, um, they both have writing styles that are different. Bioware has, like, grand scheme stories that usually give you the Jesus allegory character yeah. that dies for your sins in the end or gathers a group and has to fight insurmountable odds. And Obsidian's character, Bioware's also really good at creating characters, usually. And Obsidian stories are more um, drawn back and, like, on a personal level, dealing with personal things with your character and, like, development throughout the story, which is cool. Absolutely. Like in KOTOR 2, your character learns about... You're, you're like, um, you were a general in the Mandalorian Wars, and you helped uh, Darth Revan and stuff. And you have, like, this power that draws people to you. You're like a natural leader. But it comes from the fact that all the atrocities that you kind of ordered on Mandalore or Malachor V, the last, like, battle of the war, caused you to become a hole in the force, essentially, and you feed off of other people, intentionally or not. So it's, it's actually a really cool plot. Like, you're this character that's pretty much bad for everyone, but you're trying to make the best out of it and not kill your friends in the process. They all, like, Both love the you. games are nine yeah. ninety nine right now. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah, I'd say buy two. Uh, one, one's cool and all, but there's not a whole lot you need from it since they were written by two different companies. Like, one, the storyline is basically... There's a war between the Jedi and the Sith. The Sith are the bad guys, obviously. They're not really gray. They're just bad. And Darth Revan and Darth Malak were these guys who fought in the Mandalorian Wars, which was the Republic versus the Mandalorians. Uh, then they turned to Sith after the war. Uh, they started attacking the Republic. <laughs> Malak turns on Revan. Revan gets blown up. Uh, you start as a random dude or woman, whichever you choose. You play through half the game, you realize that you're secretly Darth Revan and you didn't know it because the Jedi Council wiped your mind. And then you basically can either kill Malak in revenge and become a dickhead or kill Malak and then, you know, disappear from the galaxy. It's a grand hero storyline, like, oh, I'm a guy who has to defeat insurmountable odds and beat an evil galaxy-ending villain. Whereas I liked <laughs> KOTOR 2 better because it was more... uh personal. Yeah, definitely more personal. And they they made something out of the Force. Instead of it just being there, it became, like, a corrosive entity, and yeah. just something... Everyone always sees the Force as a gift, but, like, Kriya saw it as a curse. Yeah, that's that's a really cool take on it. Yeah, I really liked it, because Obsidian's good with that. They had a game called Planescape, and they had... Uh, I, I thought Fallout New Vegas was better than Fallout three because a lot of the members of the obsidian team were from black isle the original studio that made the fallout games oh yeah so it captured the old like gray nature of the series better well black was, isle became bioware didn't it black isle became obsidian oh Bio, bioware be, it was bioware they never really uh, changed the name oh they're owned by ea now but they're still the same yeah uh, bioware like bought black isle or something I, they're 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 like their own thing. Like Black Isle kind of like fell apart, I think, and all, a lot of the people from Black Isle made Obsidian, who aren't owned by a publisher, so they always get dicked over by publishers, which is why their newest game they made through Kickstarter. 
where they're going uh, to Kickstarter because they're sick of getting to, uh, publishers like at that only give them a short amount of time to release a sequel to a game series that's already been made, and then they screw them over at the last minute, and then they get blamed for it. Okay, I'm looking on Wikipedia now. Black Isle worked on uh, the Baldur's Gate games with Bioware. That's where I'm getting the connection from. I I thought there was some connection to that, because they looked a lot like the old Black Isle games. Yeah. Yeah, Chris Avalon's one of the best writers in the gaming industry, and he's with Obsidian, so mm-hmm. I'm all for Obsidian games, and especially the KOTOR games, since it was like one of the most unique takes on the Star Wars franchise. Yeah. The KOTOR was. Yeah, I've actually been thinking about getting Fallout New Vegas, because just watching my roommate from college play that, um, the it, Fallout New Vegas seemed at least a little richer in characters than Fallout yeah, 3 did. Uh, I love... I like Bethesda games. I like Skyrim, and I like Oblivion and Morrowind, but Bethesda's really bad at writing. Yeah, <laughs> that's what I hear. Out there. Their characters are bland and hollow, usually, and their stories are twice as bad. <laughs> like, Skyrim was just dragon, 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 dragon. You killed the dragon! <laughs> the end. <laughs> And it's like, now you can do all those side quests you were putting off. Yeah. And, yeah, the, the more just, there's, the story for Skyrim was just really bland and generic. It's like, the dragons are coming back, and it turns out you're the dragonborn, and the dragonborn is a being gifted with the blood of a dragon from the dragon god Akatosh or whatever, and you can use the dragon shout, which is the dragon's way of shooting dragon breath at people, so use that to fight the dragons or bring other dragons back to life. I kind of want to go through... Dragons, dragons, dragons. Yeah, I want to go through what you just said and remove every instance of the word dragon and see See if it still makes sense. Words are still in there. (laughs) Um, But yeah, like... Yeah. Um, alright, I think we should probably wrap up. I actually, I just bought Knights of the Old Republic 2 now. Oh, cool. Alright, make sure that stays in the podcast yeah. so everyone knows for the record. You guys convinced me. Brandon owns Knights of the Old Republic 2. New Vegas was on sale for the Halloween sale, but I, I wasn't going to buy it, and I think the Halloween sale... I don't sale think it over. was. The Halloween sale was mainly horror games. Well, yeah, I, it, it was. I remember, like, it was mainly horror games, but I remember... Like, uh, going through the pages of games that were on sale, and I remember seeing New Vegas, and I'm like, New Vegas isn't a horror game. Why is, why is this on sale? Maybe. Uh, maybe I'm, I just I'm, I'm not it. sure. <laughs> um, it's, it's only. Right, but yeah, we should probably of, wrap up. Yeah, we should probably wrap this up. Um, yeah. So we, we've just sort of basically started off with The Walking Dead and branched off onto tangents, which I think is completely fine. So. <laughs> It'll be it'll be fun editing this one. We don't have any listeners to complain right now. Yeah, but uh, if there are, and when they do complain, yeah. <laughs> then we'll take your suggestions. Yeah. Um, if you want to complain about this podcast, uh, reach us at such and such email and such and such blog when those get created. Uh, we hope that you've enjoyed we'll listening. We'll have a Facebook page too. Yeah, we'll probably have a Facebook page. We really got to come up with a name or something. Yeah, we'll do that eventually. <laughs> we'll do it soon. But, uh, yeah, thank you for listening. Um, send us stuff. 
if those avenues are available, and we'll read all one or two comments that we're probably going to get, if any. Yeah, exactly. We will take any and all feedback. Yes. We are whores for the attention. Yes. Crazy Annie, if you're listening, please call in. (laughs) That's a joke Brandon and I will get, because we used to have a woman who would call into our radio show who called herself Crazy Annie. Yeah, well, you commented about her on the first podcast. I think I put it in the outtakes. Yeah, she was talking about ghosts and things. She called into, like, all the the late-night shows, I think. Shut up, Brandon. I wanted to feel like someone was listening. Because <laughs> we never got prison well, fan mail of us. Well, that's because we weren't chicks playing metal. Yeah. Yeah. And on that downer. On that note. <laughs> but yeah, thank you for listening. Hope you enjoyed it. And we'll see you in a couple of weeks. Uh, yep. Goodbye, all. <laughs> so long. Hopefully people recognize us. Yeah. But what if people come in in the middle of, like, not not in the middle of podcasts like I have in the outtakes or whatever, but what if they come on, like, the middle of the series, like, episode 18? Well, that's tough shit for them. This is a continuous podcast. We're not running self-contained episodes. Kevin Smith's crew never has to announce themselves. Uh, Everyone knows Kevin Smith and his (laughs) whoever else is on his actual podcast. Well, he's we'll also, have it on the website. He's also Kevin Smith. <laughs> yeah, but barely any games get ad campaigns anymore unless they're really high budget. Yeah. Your Call of Duties, your Halos, and every Blizzard game has one, yes. too. Big ad campaign. Say, World of Warcraft with the, like, three-year-old Chuck Norris joke. <laughs> well, I, I was talking more of the new one, the, why do we fight? Because uh, we are oh, Tarkashaw yeah. Pandas. Yeah. They're Asian, so we'll make them pandas. And we'll we'll <laughs> call it Pandaria. They'll do Kung Fu. And then right. everyone will complain that they ruined World of Warcraft's glorious deep story. I putting panda people in. And pandas are the character as soon as pandas are added. You're ruining the deep story, man. You're ruining it. Who's going to take our game with go- space goat men seriously? <laughs> There's cow people, but no. Fucking pandas. That ruins everything. Yeah. Yeah, but we, we do need a name in order to register a blog. No, we don't need a name. Well, we need a name to put it up on iTunes for people to actually get the podcast. No, we will just be empty character string. <laughs> empty character string podcast. An underscore. <laughs> yeah, an underscore and, like, a number next to it to show you which episode it is. Oh, jeez. We don't need your approval, Brandon. We're going ahead with this, whether or not you care. But I had reservations. Well, you can call me Anthony Bourdain, because I have no reservations. <laughs> oh. What's happening with my iTunes? Oh, I just plugged in my podcast. That's why I didn't pop it. It's not podcast. iPod. Wow, speaking. I, should, I shouldn't be so drunk while podcasting. I'm not drunk. We're all drunk here. Wow. Um, Drunk or high. Yeah. One of the two. <laughs> Fistful of pills every time I have to go on the air. <laughs> Insert name here, podcast. Home to drunk and... 
Fistful of pills. Fistful of pills. <laughs> Fistful of pills. Uh, in te- blah. Editing is going to be so much fun. <laughs> um, Italian it's scientists. It's endearing. Uh, yeah. Let's hope. What, editing? Editing's endearing? No, me, no. me stumbling over Mistakes. my words. Um, hopefully people take that as endearing. Words fail me when we're podcasting for some reason. They, uh, sorry, one second. Uh, one second. Some webpage just opened up and it's making noise and I can't hear myself. Okay. <laughs> I hope it's a talking it like ad. ad. Those are the best. Yeah. Um, I had a food I... sticking in your teeth. Orbit <laughs> gum, something blah, 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 really loud over everything you're doing. Eat, drink, chew, orbits. Uh, and then it plays on repeat constantly. Yeah.